What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And the Oscar goes to... Oh, thank you so much. This might be the one time I'm speaking. This is not a joke. Moonlight is one best picture. Could you double check the envelope? And I can't deny the fact that you like me. Thank you, life. Thank you, love. You guys are just standing up because you feel bad that I fell, and that's really embarrassing, but thank you. This is nuts. It's a tie. On the king of the world. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... My only object is to be a hero to try and get out of trouble. Just like a watch license. He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a... Could have been a contender. Fasten your... I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer again. The census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some property for Frodo. Nice kid. Don't laugh! Can't stop what's coming. This ain't reality TV! I will not fall into despair! You hate bloggers! You mock Twitter! It's time, Robbie! It's fast! Welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. Oscar goes to... Okay, Coda. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 333 of the Next Best Picture podcast. Time recording is 11.11 a.m. on February 26, 2023. Here to join me today for this, shall we call it the pre-show for the Oscar nominations predictions episode? Whatever you want to call it, it is a big one here. I have Will Mavity. Good morning. Good morning, indeed. I lied a second ago and said it was 11, 11 a.m., when in reality, it's really 8, 11 a.m. We're Will and I right now in Los Angeles, so we are recording this super early today. <laughs> now, you know what all West Coasters feel like every single time we record? <laughs> well, let's see what this particular West Coaster thinks. Joining us, we have Tom O'Brien. Oh, I just barely got away. Hello. <laughs> well, I hope that you're sharp and ready to go this week because we have a lot to discuss. Good stuff. And also here to join us in that discussion, we have Nadia Dalamonte. Hello, everyone. Giovanni Lago. Hey, everyone. And the one, the only, Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Josh, I've already gotten some DMs from some folks that if Michelle Yeoh wins SAG later tonight... The pressure is on for you to predict Best Actress correctly again at this year's Oscars. It always is on. This is the dilemma I have every single year because I have established myself as like the person who knows what's happening in Best Actress. So, yes, it will be very difficult if Michelle with, you know, wins tonight. Well, <laughs> we are not here today to discuss the SAG Awards. We are actually going to release a separate recording for the SAG Awards later this evening after the show is over. So you, the dear listeners, are getting a part one and part two podcast today from all of us. For this show, we're going to discuss what happened this past week in awards season. 
and there were some pretty big developments, I would say, especially uh, with the PGA Awards last night. Then we are going to give our final predictions for the remaining guilds and award shows coming up other than the Oscars. As you all probably guessed by now, next week's show is going to be our famous... I don't know if it'll be epically long the way that some of these races are going. Uh, it might be pretty easy this year, but we'll see. Uh, but our much-discussed and famed final Oscar predictions episode. So definitely tune in next week for that. Uh, but we're also going to discuss some trailers this week uh, for the Sundance hit film 1001, another Sundance hit film, Past Lives, and a film that is coming to Hulu soon from 20th Century Studios' Boston Strangler. We'll answer some fan questions, go over the polls, and if that wasn't all enough, we're also going to reveal the winners of both the MVP Film Community Awards and the MVP Film Awards for 2022. Like I said, lots to cover. So, to kick us off this week, what did everybody watch at home or in the cinema? We'll start off first with Tom O'Brien. Tom, what do you got for us? Man, I, I caught up on a few things in the last week or so. I finally saw The Quiet Girl, which is Ireland's Oscar entry for international feature. And I bit it, had a bit of an unexpected reaction. I, it began for me, at least the, I thought the film felt it was very nice, very well done. I said, this is good. Okay, this is fine. But slowly the film began to gain some power to me, and I wasn't even noticing it. And uh, by the time we got to the final sequence, that whole sequence is such a gut punch. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's the movie I kind of compare it to, oddly, is After Sun in the sense that I thought about The Quiet Girl for days after I saw it, the way I saw it, the way I felt about that one. It just lingers in my mind. And um, I know there are a lot of people, myself included, that were disappointed that Decision to Leave didn't make the final five. But, God, this is I'm just so happy that The Quiet Girl is included here. It's kind of. I don't know, intimate, detailed filmmaking that we take for granted very often. And in in the case of it being done so well as it is here, it deserves to be amply rewarded. So bravo to The Quiet Girl for making it. And I'd highly recommend it because it's beginning to go wider around the country. So please check out for that. I also liked Emily, um, actor-turned-director Francis O'Connor's debut film on the life of Wuthering Heights author Emily Bronte. Um, played by Emma Mackey. Um, She's the rebellious one in her family, at least compared to Charlotte. Uh, And that spirit of rebellion gives the period film a slight contemporary edge without being the kind of nudge, nudge, wink, wink modernisms that really kind of hurt for me last summer's uh, Jane Austen adaptation of Persuasion. This is much better than that. If I have a slight problem with the film, it's probably me and not the film. Um, I have problems sometimes with biographies of of writers. You know, when they, when they, there's an artist's biography, you can say, okay, if he's a painter, you can see the work. If he's a young filmmaker, you can see Sammy Fableman's film. You know, we actually see the final product as it's being done. And I'm just kind of a nut for process kinds of things. It's that doesn't necessarily make it a bad or a good film. It just, it's the kind of film I like. And here, um, all of the characters we meet and the feelings that Emily feels throughout are what goes into ultimately Wuthering Heights. But there is a scene where we see a thousand page manuscript on a writing desk. And for a second, it took me out. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Uh, and 
you know, it's but that that moment passed because throughout is Emma Mackey. And I'm she so deserves the Rising Star Award that she got last weekend in BAFTA. Um, this performance alone is is, I think, going to propel her to uh, to great heights. And the great thing is she's got the goods to back it up. It's really a, it's a wonderful film. And um, also that also opened uh, this weekend. So please uh, take a look and put that on your list. But finally, something to look forward to. This is a film. The third one I've seen is um, a film that I, a lot of the team saw in Toronto. And um, I'd like to add to the chorus of praise to this one. And that's Chevalier. Oh, my God. They started screening that. Yes. Yep. Uh, it's another biography of an artist. Um, this time it's French Caribbean musician uh, Joseph Bologna, who's often kind of nicknamed and dismissed as the black Mozart. But th- this film shows he was much, much more than that, owing his fame at the time less to the color of his skin and more to the quality of his music. The opening of this film is one of the most dynamics I've seen in a long time. It's kind of a shredding contest like Clapton and Hendrix on the guitar. This is Mozart and Bologna on the violin. And it just makes you sit up and take notice right away. Uh, and it's a spectacular beginning to the film. If it kind of falls back on kind of familiar music biography tropes as it goes along, I mean, that's okay because you got Kelvin Harrison uh, Jr. This he it just is remarkable in this film. Um, he's not, you know, it's a very it, it's a courageous performance in the fact that he doesn't he's not afraid to play Bologna as a bit of a shit sometimes. The character gets very full of himself and drunk on his own power, kind of like Lydia Tarr. And it's his hubris, like hers, that kind of that brings him down and finds his downfall. And then he finally finds uh, redemption. I, you know, I totally understand why uh, Searchlight held this off until 2023, because they had their hands full of banshees. But uh Boy, can you imagine if Kelvin Harrison Jr. was in this year's Oscar race? Best actor was screwed up. Boy, this is going to make it quite a race. But I suspect we will be talking a lot about this film and this performance as the years go by, uh, go on, especially uh, when we get back to award season uh, 2023 later on this year. So, uh, Chevalier, keep it in mind. Yeah, I cannot echo the praises for this film enough. Uh, when I saw it at TIFF, I was so captivated by what Kelvin Harrison Jr. was doing in it. I thought it was excellently well-directed. I was really impressed with the overall tone of the film. Mm -hmm. And then the score is just, oh, the score is incredible for this movie. I cannot wait for people to watch it. Okay. Great, great, great list of films there. Uh, let's Let's head on over next to Nadia. Nadia, what did you catch up with this past week? I had a pretty good week. I saw... The Vicky Creeps movie, Hold Me Tight. And she's one of my favorites. So this movie is, I see the movie, I see her in a movie, I watch it, no questions asked. And this is yet another incredible performance from her. It's about um, a mother who suddenly abandons her family and goes on the road, which in its premise, it seems to take you on a direction of her finding a new life. But instead, the movie follows her as she gets further and further away from her grip on reality and she's constantly inventing and reimagining aspects about the family she left behind and her place in in all of this and the decision that she makes and 
it's it's a really interesting movie. I haven't seen many movies edited the way this one is in particular. It's it's very abstract and you feel like you're holding on to the protagonist's frame of mind just by a thread, as she herself is, while she's trying to maintain this deep connection that she still has with her family and navigating a sense of grief at the same time. And uh, I, I was really intrigued by it. You, you don't really learn much about the protagonist, but it is through Vicky Creeps's performance that you come to really understand her. And it's a role that plays, I think it plays very well to her strengths as an actor, which are very intuitive. And um, so I, this movie comes highly recommended for her alone, I would say. it's You can find it uh, on iTunes there. And uh, yet another incredible performance from her. I also caught up with Athena on Netflix. And I should not have waited this long. And this was, this was really good. It, it has one of the best opening scenes of a movie I've seen recently. Uh, which is it's kind of a shame because the ending isn't quite on par with that. Um, I think the screenplay and the visuals are kind of working on different levels here. I think it's really good at placing you in the thick of action and experiential storytelling, but it kind of falls a little bit short in giving the same detail to the screenplay and getting to know the brothers who are central to the movie. Um I think some of the strongest scenes in the movie are the ones that really give space and pause to each of them. And it would have been great to have more of that. But overall, I was just really gripped by the storytelling here. I felt locked in. The action sequences were really well done. I, I loved the cinematography and uh, the acting is is great as well. So if you haven't caught up with that one, I would recommend that as well. I also saw the movie Sharper on Apple TV. And it was okay. I, I was. It's very sleek and twisty, and it goes in very different directions. I, I do think, for the most part, it felt like one long introduction. There are a lot of twists and turns. <laughs> uh, they have. It has a really anticipatory format that it tries to go for, which, in the sense that it gives each of the characters their own chapter in the story, and the movie kind of builds on that. And gives you more and more layers as you discover more about each character. And it, it, it was entertaining at times. It was satisfying at times with some of the twists that were happening. But I, I did feel left wanting a lot more from it. I, I mean, I saw it last night and I find it already a little forgettable. It, it, the final act was a really brushed one as well with trying to connect a lot of dots. Overall, it was fine. It, it has a pretty good cast. It's always great to see Julianne Moore, who I think is the MVP here. And I wanted to mention Brianna Middleton as well. She plays a character named Sandra, and uh, I think she's really good in this as well, and I think we'll be seeing a lot more from her in the future. So overall, it wasn't one of my favorites, but uh, worth checking out at least. And um, I also saw Return to Soul uh, through Film Independent, which was, I know was a standout at Cannes last year, and it played at TIFF as well, uh, which is where I missed it, but I got to see it earlier this week. And I, I loved it. I, it's a really mesmerizing story of identity and family. And I, I'm really amazed by the lead, Park Ji Min, giving her first ever performance in a movie. She's absolutely phenomenal in this in this movie. It's a really layered performance about the discovery of oneself and having the experience of being put up for adoption and with this hesitance in her to learn more about. Uh, her family and also the there's the aspect of being in her mid-20s and coming of age 
so the character work here was really, really layered and powerful to connect with. I loved how introspective the movie was. It just just wonderful work by everybody involved. And I believe Sony Pictures Classics released it a couple of weeks ago in some theaters. So hopefully more people will be able to get to see it in the, in the coming weeks. I also caught up with a couple of TV shows, catching up with The Last of Us. I reached uh, the episodes with one of my faves, Melanie Linsky. Also caught up with Poker Face. And I, I just want to say the latest episode that dropped, um, if, if you haven't seen it yet, I really, really absolutely loved it. It's with Cherry Jones, Nick Nolte, Tim Russ. It's directed by Natasha Leone, and I, it just has really cool stop motion and horror. I love that medium and love the horror genre. There's a lot here that I really gravitated to and admired. And plus there's Phil Tippett, who created a lot of the creatures from Star Wars. He, he created miniature monsters for this episode. And it was the pulpy practical effects were incredible. So if you're on the poker face train and haven't caught up with that one yet, I think you're in for a real treat. Amazing. Sounds like such an eventful week. I love it. Okay, Will Mavity, on to you. Yeah, consider me hyped for that Poker Face episode. I love anything and everything Phil Tippett. I know Josh Parham does, so I'm sure. I literally, like, my jaw dropped when I heard the name Phil Tippett associated with something. (laughs) So, yes, that got me very excited. I had no idea either. I I heard that, and I'm literally only on episode four, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. I really want to see Mad God now. Oh, yeah, it's definitely worth checking. Awesome. (laughs) So... I haven't seen much in the way of feature films recently. Matt and I were watching the animated and documentary short films. Yeah, so I think of the animated ones, I think at least most likely winner is The Boy, The Fox, The Mole. I don't remember the exact name. It's long (laughs) and it's aggressively maybe too saccharine and feel good, but it's beautiful to look at. And I did enjoy it, and I think it's probably across the board the best. I think the animation styles are maybe a little bit more interesting in one of the Matt and I, I think both most like the stop the Australian stop motion one and Ostrich told me the world isn't real. Um I don't think it's winning. It's probably too weird. I mean it's very Charlie Kaufman esque, which was very much up my alley. Yeah, no, so I, I that's probably my favorite the animated. As for the documentary ones the Elephant Whisper is really cute, but it did not need to be 40 minutes long. It no. should have been. And then on top of that, I don't know, Matt, which, uh, oh, you know, you, I, I'll tell you which one. Haul Out. Haul Out yep. is incredible. Oh, it's so, so cinematic to the point that Matt and I thought we were mistaken and we're watching a live action short for a minute. It is just gorgeous to watch unfold. It's very sad and haunting. There doesn't seem to be winner buzz for it, but it it is extremely well done. And even if you don't plan to watch all of the doc shorts, I recommend you check that one. It's it's wonderful. Yeah, there's a moment where a door opens and it's like one of the greatest cinematic moments of the year. (laughs) My jaw was on the floor. I couldn't believe the sound in that sequence is. Yeah. You know, damn. I don't know if that was production audio or if they did some. uh you know, sound effects creation work in post, but everything about it is such a cinematic experience. It's it's really impressive. Other than short films, I uh, I watched the 
pretty terrible 2010 Wes Craven My Soul to Take movie. And <laughs> don't ask Okay. Um, I'd never seen it before. It, it, it is horrendous. But it made me laugh because now John Magaro is like a, a handsome romantic lead in movies now. And it reminded me that he had this phase in the 2009 and 2010 era where he exclusively could play just like weird fucking creepy guys. And it is difficult for me to unsee it because like you look at Richard Kelly's The Box, too. He's like the laughing, like nasally voice. (laughs) God. So the Past Lives trailer is weird. You know, anything pertaining to that or even First Cow with him being like a normal dude. But yeah, other than that, um, not a huge week for watching stuff. There's plenty more I need to catch up on still. Alrighty, Giovanni Lago, how about you? Uh, yeah, t- this week was relatively light for me as well. I would say the only movie I really saw, I saw Cocaine Bear um, Friday night, which made the mistake of not buying a ticket early because I did not think... Where I, especially where I lived, was going to be as busy. It was packed, so I sat literally at the very front row. But I was also like four drinks down with a bunch of friends, and I'm like, I just want to see a bear do cocaine and maul people, and that's what I got. It's very much what you expect it to be. At times, there's like a bunch of different characters, and I felt like when it was like with Alden Ehrenreich and O'Shea Jackson and around that group, especially, it was more interesting. Compared to more of the Kerry Russell stuff with the kids, although like every it's it's exactly what you expect it to be. It was nothing out of this world, but Margot Mariendale, you know, was fun for the few moments she has. And then besides that, I caught up on I know this TV uh, shrinking uh, the Apple TV series as um, the comedy. It's practically Ted Lasso too, if you watch it. But instead of soccer, it's therapy, and everyone in that ensemble is firing on all cylinders. It, everyone just plays off each other so well. Harrison Ford, it's really nice to see like Harrison Ford actually like seem to enjoy what he's working on. You know, Harrison Ford's got that reputation of being like the grouchy, curmudgeon older actor in Hollywood. And like he you really see him let loose on the show and the way he plays off Jason Siegel and Jessica Williams and everyone is so good. And I started catching up on poker face a little bit so every time nadia was just getting into more details about the latest episode i was like oh my god this is like the greatest thing ever because i it's one of the few shows i'm watching where i don't want to binge it i'll watch one like every few days because i just appreciate like the technical filmmaking of it is so good like probably the best cinematography i've seen on the tv show since like better call saul and I would say like every guest actor comes in and no one's phoning it in. Everyone is like great. And I just so appreciative because it's like the very serialized detective show. But in a way, like Natasha Leone's not a cop. She's just a person who stumbles into these things and just incredibly perceptive. And it's just God, every every script every week is just so entertaining. You know, the Ryan Johnson factor of it all is just great. Highly recommend. But besides that, it was an incredibly light week. So hopefully in the next few weeks, especially next week, it's going to be stepped up a bit. Okay. And Josh Parham, how about you? What did you watch this past week? Yeah, there's been a good number of things that I've managed to catch up with. Uh, I did see Cocaine Bear, which I was on the podcast review for it, for you to hear my fuller thoughts. Generally speaking, 
I had fun with it. It's not a great movie, but I mean, it is kind of forgettable. But at the same time, I thought it was entertaining in the moment, but still nothing special. But we got a podcast review so you can hear my fuller thoughts there. You did mention the NBP Film and Community Awards that are happening. And there was one movie that we nominated that I had not seen. And I wanted to be a well-informed voter. And so I wanted to get get that off my list. And I ended up seeing Matilda the Musical. Oh, nice. Yeah, which was good. I enjoyed it. It's, I was a little worried in the beginning. I, I wasn't sure if I was really going to be into it. But I think by the time they get to the school and you see these just fantastic musical numbers with literal children, which I'm still struggling to believe that they pulled off that choreography with kids. It's just like incredible to watch. So it was a nice, like fun, sweet, charming movie. And I'm I'm glad that I did get an opportunity to see that because it's quite good. And I would recommend it. And also, too, you can't talk about that movie without mentioning E.T. Yeah. <laughs> Not the alien. Yeah. <laughs> Although her makeup makes her look like an alien in this movie. <laughs> uh, a bit. But yeah, I mean, Emma Thompson is just when is Emma Thompson? Not great. Like she's always going to be Truly. fantastic. And it's the same in this film. So I would definitely recommend checking that out if you haven't seen it. Um, I also saw a movie in theaters, which is probably not going to be in theaters very long, which is a shame. But it is one of my favorites of the year so far. And that is of an age. Oh, I'm glad to hear that you were a big fan of this one. I very much liked it all the way until the ending. (laughs) Well, and I understand that the movie does have kind of an abrupt ending to it, but it just, I feel like it just needed to breathe a little bit longer. Like it just has a very abrupt cut. And I think if we just stayed in that moment a little bit longer, it wouldn't have been quite as bad. But overall, I still think that this is very much a movie that I would like. Uh, It's a small scale character study uh, that is about these two young men who have this very intense Uh, kind of romantic bond with each other over this 24-hour period, and then it flashes to later in life when they meet up again. And, I mean, just the storytelling is usually something that I really respond to with these kinds of movies. And there's a particularly this very long extended car ride where they're just having a conversation that is just so compelling and captivating. And I really hope people do get a chance to see, and I'm sure it'll be out streaming soon. But if you have any opportunity to check this one out, I would really, really recommend it. It is definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. And before you get to said car ride, the opening, what, like 15 minutes of the movie are like some of the most stressful opening 15 minutes. of Really? (laughs) Very, very stressful, especially going back to that time of like, I think it's 1999 when there's no cell phones and you have to try to contact people very in a very difficult manner um where cell phones aren't just readily available it's really really stressful yes but exceptionally well done so i really want people to check that one out if they can this will make you very happy matt oh um i caught up with some movies that i've been meaning to see for a very long time that i've been putting off but i finally decided to watch them and that's the john wick movies (gasps) oh Oh my God! No way! Yeah, this is the greatest day ever. This is the greatest Finally day ever. Did it. Wait, 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 wait! I'm gonna say it on behalf of everyone right now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Josh. And you know what? It's because I went to see something at the theater, and they played the trailer for John Wick Four, and I had to admit, it looked really good. And I felt like, man, I I kind of feel like I need to see this one now, and. Fortunately, I found that all of the John Wick movies, I think, are streaming on Peacock at the moment. So it's like, well, you know what? 
let me just take the opportunity to finally catch up with these films. I'd seen the first one already, so I caught up with two and three. John Wick 2, I have to admit, I wasn't thrilled with. I, I thought it was still entertaining, but the story felt like it was written by a 12-year-old. Like It was so stupid in terms of what the plot was, and I think that did impede me from like fully getting into the movie, but the action sequences are still really, really good. Like I, I still enjoyed it, but it did feel like a little bit of a step down from the first movie just because the plot was so, so stupid in terms of what they were trying to do that I couldn't really get into it all that much. But the third one is also dumb, but it has no plot. So it's really just all action sequence after action sequence. And that worked for me a lot better. And I enjoyed it a lot more. And I mean, that Dan Lousen cinematography, too, is just amazing. I don't know. like Why does a John Wick movie have to visually look that good? It was that was incredible. So I had a lot of fun with that as well. Um, so overall, I still really do like this franchise. I'm glad to have finally crossed it off. And now I am ready for John Wick 4, which I never thought I would say. But here we are. Let me ask you a question. Knowing that it's 160 minutes long, are you still ready for it? I mean, that's a little a little daunting, but you know what? If I'm, I'm going to choose to have faith, I'm, I'm going to choose to have faith in, in the process. I'll tell you this, just the inclusion alone of some of the people they have in this third one, fourth one, sorry, uh, Donnie Yen, Hiroruki Sineda. I mean, like, just, <laughs> my God, I feel like this movie is just absolutely going to rip the other movies to shreds. Well, we will see. And like I said, I had never really seen these movies before. So John Wick 4 will be the first time I will actually see one of these films in a theater. So I am excited about that. I also just like Tom Cruise. I cannot believe that Keanu Reeves is what, 58 years old and he's doing the stuff that he's doing in these movies. Insane. I was thinking about that too, that Tom Cruise gets all of the attention about like doing your own stunts and that it is impressive. Don't get me wrong, but I do think Keanu Reeves deserves a shout out too, because he really does commit to these movies and he doesn't really get the same press that Tom Cruise does. And I think he deserves it. The amount of arm drags, my Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. For me this week, I saw Emily, uh, which I very much enjoyed. I thought it was fantastic for a period film had a very haunting, uh, striking visual style from Francis O'Connor. Emma Mackey, fantastic. And I really liked the way that it uh, blurred the lines between what is fiction and what is reality. Very, very good. Um, Also watched a movie. God damn it, I can't talk about this one. I'm under embargo. Um, I'll just say I saw a a movie that we're discussing a trailer for later. (laughs) Um, Cocaine Bear podcast review. Like Josh said, you can hear my thoughts on that. I was in the opposite camp, opposite Josh. The Bears came to our camps, and only one of us came out the other end. <laughs> and then I saw, God damn it, I can't talk about this. I, shit, this is I, every time I look at my letterbox and I'm like scrolling through like my watch list, I'm like, I oh can't talk about that. Damn it. Uh, but like, but like Will said, um, the shorts. We still have live action short to complete. When we do our final predictions episode on next week's show, uh, I will have completed the live action shorts. But everything that Will said, I echo it. Now, with that said, let's get into some awards talk. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, first things first, before we get into predictions for what's happening over the next week, PGA results from last night. Oh boy. Does anybody have any doubt at this point? That it's going to be everything everywhere all at once because no, no. <laughs> I, I'm failing to see what what compelling argument any other film can make at this point. Yeah, no, it's it's over. <laughs> like unless if by some miracle Fableman's one sag in WGA, but still, like, no, I just can't see that happening. No, if Spielberg couldn't win the DGA, then like I think that movie was dead after last weekend. And yeah, I mean, the best thing that happened to everything everywhere all at once was Banshee's losing BAFTA. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think if Banshee's had one BAFTA, we would still be kind of talking not not so much. Um, I, I think it would be, you know, there, there'd be a little bit of a discussion to be had, I would argue. But everything everywhere would still be out in front. I mean, winning the PGA on the preferential ballot when we have been saying for weeks, oh, I don't know if it can win on a preferential ballot. All these people really hate this movie. Well, guess what? It just did. Yeah, that was the last test that it needed to pass. And and it did. Yeah, I think what we have kind of seen this year is that, yes, there is a little bit of resistance to everything everywhere, but we don't know how big of a contingent that is. And the people that do love it, I think just might be in greater numbers to overcome that. And even if they weren't, I think the other issue is that there is no single alternative to everything everywhere. So the, the opposition is just, I think too divided that no one movie can mount that defense against it. And so because of that, I, I think that's helping this movie just kind of sail through and it winning on the preferential ballot. Yep. That's, that was the last thing that we needed. Yep. And all this talk about uh, the uh, older audiences not responding to it, there's been no proof of that. I mean, it's we, it's all anecdotal and it's all supposition. But, you know, right now, um, well, you know, I think that uh, the these Guild Awards are proving that that's really not the case, at least among. Um, it hasn't Oscar lost awards. the Guilds yet. It literally has won at every Guild it's been up at. Yeah. Yeah, Makeup and Hairstylist Guild, that was a surprise. Art Directors Guild over Avatar The Way of Water, Jesus Christ. Like, it's insane. Yeah. I, I cannot believe that we are coming up on one year to the day. I believe it will be March 11th, the day before the Oscars, or maybe somewhere around there. It's like somewhere around the day of the Oscars uh, from when its world premiere at South by Southwest last year. And I just, I always hoped that this movie would be embraced by, by the Academy. But this is truly exceeding even what I hoped for. It's an incredible journey for that movie. Uh, yeah, I would not have guessed it personally. I know a lot of people were on it early. I was doubtful. But hey, I mean, it's it's a great path for that movie. It really is. Well, let's not like, you know, start acting like it's already won the Oscar for Best Picture just yet. Right. There have been I, situations I mean, where. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wait. Let's wait until the very end, shall we? Until then, very, very big win. I would argue even bigger than the DGA win. And now with those two combined, I mean, heading into SAG tonight, there's like little doubt in my mind that it's not winning ensemble. Yeah. 
Like, what would be the only other movie to, like, even compete? Would it just be Banshees, like, if anything? Because, like, I don't think Fableman's got the passion. I would argue that if Banshees wins Ensemble, and let's just hypothetically say one of the actors also wins at SAG tonight, either Colin or Carrie. Yeah. Or shit, maybe even Barry, but that, that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's not happening. I'm just saying that, like, if one of the actors also won on top of the film getting the Ensemble Prize, that is the single last compelling argument I could think of. Otherwise, you kind of have to go with um, All Quiet on the Western Front's performance at BAFTA as your only other piece of evidence that there is another film in the Best Picture race that's strong enough to go up against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's uh, head on over to some of the other awards that are happening over the next couple of days here. Starting off first with the motion picture of sound editors, the MPSE. Uh, their winners are going to be announced uh, this evening, actually, February 26th. Um, the most important category to take a look at here is the sound effects and Foley category. Uh, now, what's very interesting is that All Quiet on the Western Front is not nominated in this category. It's nominated in the foreign language film feature category, which it's most assuredly going to win. I would be shocked if it didn't. But the films that are nominated here are Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Jurassic World Dominion, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. Now, I think Top Gun Maverick is expected to run away with this. But I will say, in terms of if you want to be 100% certain that Everything Everywhere All at Once is going to win Best Film Editing at the Oscars, if that, for some reason, ended up winning here over Top Gun... That would just tell me, well, if there were two sound categories, everything everywhere would have been nominated, and this whole sound editing correlation stat that people keep throwing out there would stand, and we wouldn't be having this discussion at this point. Yeah. Other than that, I'm expecting it to go to Top Gun Maverick either way. You know, I actually would not be that shocked if it did pull off an MPSE victory tonight, because even without the sound nomination, because it got more nominations here than Top Gun. It maxed out. Which is part of the reason I'm convinced if they had two categories, it would have gotten into sound editing. You know, it it missed CAS, so probably not mixing. But I do think it would have gotten one sound nomination. So I kind of think it's going to win at least one of its three categories at MPSC tonight, even if not sound effects and Foley. But yeah, in terms of this category's Oscar correlation, All Quiet wasn't eligible in the main category here. So... It's limited in how much we can really ascertain as far as actual carryover to the Oscar race, since All Quiet is Top Gun's biggest competition. Yep, agree with all of that. Kind of piggybacking off of that, Cinema Audio Society is happening on March 4th, and All Quiet on the Western Front is there. And I think this will be a very big test for it to see if it can win Best Sound at the Oscars against Top Gun Maverick, which would indicate perhaps, that Top Gun Maverick might go home empty-handed on Oscar night if that comes to be. Uh, But the other nominees are Avatar The Way of Water, Elvis, The Batman, and Top Gun Maverick. Now, if Top Gun Maverick wins both this and MPSE, then I think it's got the sound Oscar on lockdown, no matter what kind of a fight All Quiet on the Western Front's going to put up after its BAFTA win. However, if All Quiet were to win here, that would definitely make this a race, I think. Yeah, like especially after that BAFTA performance there which could further cement the idea that it's not just a BAFTA thing, that there is all this crossover between the voters. I agree that this is a pretty big test for how far All Quiet could go in the category. I would still expect Top Gun to win. Uh, It's looking now that that might be the only Oscar win for that movie, and it feels appropriate for it. But 
you know, yeah, we, I would definitely be interested to see what the guild does. But at this moment, I'm still thinking it's going to be Top Gun. I, I agree with that, too, because also at the end of the day, just like we've seen, like, yeah, sure, like you look at PGA last night, you know, like, yeah, it didn't win. But like, again, like how many people have been shouting out this movie? How many people love this movie? It would be like odd. It doesn't win a single like Oscar. And All Quiet's going to win elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. All Quiet is good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's All Quiet has the potential to have like a really good day. So I mean, like one like sound category. Like, come on, like just I think it, Top Gun for me is there as it now, but it is a race between that and All Quiet. Yeah, it's what Ann Thompson calls the stake eaters, the the uh, tech guys who are voting. Uh, I think they want to reward Top Gun honestly, and uh, this is a great place to do it. Costume Designer Guild. February 27th. Excellence in sci-fi fantasy film. We have Avatar, The Way of Water, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Hocus Pocus 2, and Thor, Love and Thunder. I don't care how strong Everything Everywhere All at Once has been with the guild so far. This category is going to go to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Yeah. I mean, you say that, but I never would have thought that movie would have beaten Avatar at the producers or the production designers guild either. So... I don't know. <laughs> I would say it should be Black Panther, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, Ruth Carter is royalty in this in this area, so sometimes it's just the name. And, you know, she did just win with the Hollywood Critics Association, the Critics' Choice Award. We could see a Guild win here again. I, I actually think that despite the lack of a Best Picture nomination, it's it's got to be the number one or the number two in the category this year if you're doing your final predictions. Oh, yeah, it's still competitive, I think, between Black Panther and, and Elvis, for sure. Yeah. Well, speaking of Elvis, excellence in period film. We have Babylon, Don't Worry Darling, Elvis, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, and The Woman King. So we all think Catherine Martin will win the guild here? I do. Yeah, yeah. I'd give her the edge, yep. Okay, and then excellence in contemporary film, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, Nope, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking, Glass Onion. Yeah. The showiest. Yeah. Wouldn't be mad at a tar win, though. That'd be cool. That would be so awesome. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Nope would be pretty cool, too. Because all of the costumes in tar are not flashy, but they're absolutely appropriate for the character. Mm hmm. Women talking, I don't think will win here, but they basically got to do period costumes in a contemporary film. Which is certainly interesting. And yeah. if that were a film that were buzzier, it would make sense. I'm going to go out of order here for a second. Uh, we have the ASC, the American Society of Cinematographers, happening on March 5th. Nominees there are Empire of Light, The Batman, Bardo, Top Gun Maverick, and Elvis. And after thinking on this a little bit, considering that All Quiet on the Western Front is not here, and that is, in my opinion, the front runner for the Oscar now. I think that they are going to finally give Claudio Miranda a prize because he's never won at ASC before. Yep. And I think this would serve as a very nice acknowledgement and makeup for not getting the Oscar nomination, which is still baffling to me. Yeah. We kind of don't know how that happened, honestly. But um, I, I do kind of feel like that'll that'll happen. As you said, he did not win the year 2012 where he won the Oscar for Life of Pi um, at ASC. So I, I do think that that makes sense, the, and it really won't matter in the grand scheme of things. Now, let me ask you this question. If Elvis were to win here, what would be your thoughts on that heading into Oscar night, then? 
Yeah, that would be the only winner at ASC that could make me question whether or not All Quiet is going to win. It would be it would be tough. I think I would still lean towards All Quiet at the end of the day, but if that was were to win at the Guild, that would give me something to think about for sure. It'd be pretty great for Mandy Walker too if she does win the Oscar. She would be the first woman to ever win the category. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't understand why Warner Brothers hasn't been like campaigning with that as like their main focus, like making history here for all of it. Like it would, oh, it would be awesome. Like it I just mean, makes so are, much sense. But they have a lot of things to juggle with that film. That is from, true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The picture campaign, Austin Butler. Spe- yeah. With special but Yeah. 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 It makes yeah. sense. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. All right. American cinema editors happening on March 5th. We have. Best Edited Feature Film Drama, All Quiet on the Western Front, Elvis, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, and The Woman King. It feels pretty obvious to me that it's Top Gun Maverick. The spoiler, in my opinion, is Elvis. But I'm pretty confident it's going to be Top Gun. Feels like it. Um, I wouldn't be shocked with an Elvis victory either, but I would lean towards Top Gun here. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this question. If Top Gun does win this... And let's say in the comedy category, which has Banshees, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, The Menu, and Triangle of Sadness, which assuredly Everything Everywhere All at Once is going to win this. Does it cast any doubt in your mind that Top Gun could beat it at the Oscars? Because Everything Everywhere, when it wins this, because it will win this in my opinion, it will have won every single editing precursor. But it doesn't have that pesky goddamn st- uh, sound nomination. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I I still think I don't know. Actually, I, I don't know. <laughs> this this sound nomination thing has like both helped and hurt me with predictions in the past. So that's why I'm very nervous to go against it. But at the same time, everything everywhere would have had pretty much all the precursors. And it's also very difficult to bet against that. Yeah, that's my reasoning as well. Like thinking about how much it's won already, I have a hard time going against it now, but I would not be surprised if it's Top Gun. Yeah, like it was the only thing that it won at BAFTA. You know, so it's like even the the group that clearly didn't love the movie as much as other people did still gave it an editing award. Yeah, I really go back and forth on it. I mean, I, I tend to echo what Josh said. But I am, I think, going to go with everything everywhere winning here. Ultimately, stuff in the last few years like Parasite and King Richard didn't win just every editing category under the sun. And I really do, as I mentioned earlier, I really do think if they hadn't merged the categories that this would have gotten at least one sound nomination probably in sound editing and then we wouldn't be having this conversation so we've well, seen I stats. think we'd be having it a little bit just because it's not looking to win the category even if it had nominated but I, I still think by yeah, having the, a sound the, editing nomination, yes, it would. The correlation been. isn't so much with winning sound. I mean, like Argo wasn't winning sound. No, but know, like, but that has been the correlation for like the past decade, though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I I think ultimately we've had stats die every single year, and I do think this is the year that this particular stat dies. Okay, next up here some writing awards. 
The USC Scripter Awards are on March 4th. Film nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Living, She Said, Top Gun Maverick, and Women Talking. Unless if did what did is it official that Top Gun Maverick pulled out of this? They pulled out, so yeah. okay, yeah, they're not eligible. Never anymore. mind. So this has to go to Women Talking, unless if uh, USC decides to pull a fast one on us, which they've been doing a lot over the last couple of years, and maybe they give it to something like Living. I can see them giving it to Living. Yeah. It, it it certainly has the resume with the Nobel writer on board that they might really respond to. I mean, also considering that they honor the source material, it could be she said because then they get to honor Jodie Cantor and, and Megan Toohey. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Like USC Scripter has not been like the most reliable precursor for adapted screenplay lately. So kind of whatever wins here doesn't in my opinion, really mean that much. So that in turn means that whatever outcome they do reach would not be surprising to me. Let's put it this way. If Women Talking wins this category, that is another notch in the belt and something that you can use to argue that it's going to win the Oscar. Well, maybe. (laughs) It it sort of is and it isn't. Like, it is a win, but it's also a win from a precursor that hasn't gotten it right since, like, 2017. Yeah, (laughs) and it's weird, too, because there was that long streak where they were getting it right every year. Yep, and it has been off for the last, like, five. Yeah, didn't they give to Leave No Trace, which wasn't even nominated one year? Mm -hmm. And that was the start of it, because they did that. They did Little Women, Nomadland. Um, was it The Lost Daughter? Like, yeah, they've been very, very in, off in terms of predicting yeah. the correct winner. And and All Quiet isn't here. Yeah. But I will say, though, that despite that, because I'm going to pair this with WGA in a second, if Women Talking wins both WGA and USC, that will give me enough confidence to predict it over All Quiet, where if it wins one loses one and also to your point josh depending on which one i do put more weight on wga truly i do so if it wins wga and loses usc i still think we have a bit of a race on our hands but if it wins usc and loses wga i'm gonna know if if that happens yeah yeah i kind of have no choice at that point but if it wins both that's the best outcome for it i think Yes, yes, because then it'll basically be like the only thing it won't have is BAFTA and having the other ones, I think, will be strong enough for it to get the Oscar. So speaking of which, the WGA Awards happening on March 5th Uh for adapted screenplay, (laughs) Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, She Said, Top Gun Maverick, which didn't pull out here. That's still here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, okay. And Women Talking. Now, wouldn't it be hilarious after it lost the PGA if Top Gun Maverick now did actually end up winning this? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's impossible at all. No. Literally, you lose PGA and DGA, even for Kaczynski, and it's like, all right, the screenplay, this is where where it earns it. This is where we give it an award. I'm like, okay, that's where we decided. But like the WGA has been very weird over the last couple of years yeah. with some of the winners. Borat. <laughs> yeah. Borat too. Yeah. Don't look up. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... Who knows? Let's let's see. They pick like chaos. <laughs> I mean, I really, really hope it's women talking because I feel like this. If it's between, if we're talking between women talking and all quiet, I don't believe all quiet has another opportunity to get a boost 
writing-wise, if I'm not mistaken? No, but if it loses here, if Women Talking loses here, to me then, despite the Best Picture nomination, that will just send the signal and prove that there are more supporters for All Quiet within the Academy, probably, than Women Talking. And oh, you, know, yeah. you just, you just got to look at the nomination hall, the overperformance at BAFTA, the crossover that it will have as a result of that, the fact that Women Talking didn't even get a screenplay nominated at BAFTA. I just feel there'll be too many knocks against it, against it at that point. But if it does win here, that I mean that that paired with CCA and it having a Best Picture nomination, I mean it'll still be close. But I will feel pretty good about predicting it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I haven't talked to very many writers about what they voted for, but uh, Women Talking seems to have the cachet of the category, and very often writers will go for that. And in original screenplay, we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, The Menu, Nope, and Tar. And I guess for the doubters out there, yeah, fine. If Everything Everywhere loses at WGA to, say, Tar, because I really do feel like that's probably the number two here in this category— then, all right, fine. I can then make a compelling argument as to why Banshees would probably go on to win the Oscar for screenplay at that point. But if Everything Everywhere wins this, it's got CCA and WGA. And historically speaking, that has proven to be a really good statistical precursor combo. And it's going to win WGA. Like, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about, about that. This was the easiest guild for it to win, in my <laughs> opinion. Like, it, it's absolutely going to win. I still think there there is a battle, though. Because Banshees, that still is a very, very well-liked script. And especially if it's now looking like that movie's not going to win in too many other areas, like screenplay is a very appropriate place to put your vote for it. So I would not count out Banshees quite yet. I still think that is a very popular movie and with a very popular script. You know what would convince me to also switch to Banshees? If that's SAG tonight, it wins ensemble. It's not enough for me to predict it to go on to win picture, no, but it would make me think, OK, there's got to be now enough support within the Academy, within the actors branch, which is the largest branch. And maybe then it wins out in screenplay. And the list of um, Oscar winning screenplays that have, weren't eligible at WGA is long and celebrated. So uh, I don't really think that means I don't think the fact that it's not here is going to hurt Banshee's chances with the Oscar. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Tom. But then again, it is pretty funny how. Martin McDonough's last film, Three Billboards, this has followed a, such a similar trajectory as that film in terms of this category, where Banshees won the Globe, it won BAFTA, it wasn't eligible for WGA, and it lost to the film that also won CCA, and that film ended up going on to win the Oscar, and that film also happened to be, like everything everywhere, a high-concept, very original piece of storytelling. I think, though, at least with compared to that situation, at least... Banshees of initiating this whole season, I think, has been like a lot more universally adored compared to uh, Three Billboards in the sense like, you know, Three Billboards, you know, there's detractors of people who are uh, not fans of like certain themes of it. But like with Banshees, like it's just steamrolled the entire season in terms of like people are like, oh, this rocks like they love it. It's not had any like detractors whatsoever. So compared, I think that's what helps that compared to with three billboards and get out and get out became this like universally like transcendent thing where everyone's like, Oh, this is like special. This is. And especially if like everything everywhere is like on track to win director and picture and everything. I, I think it, it leans more towards uh McDonough and screenplay for me. 
personally. It, it, yeah, and with three billboards, uh, it was pretty evident that it would get two acting Oscars already. Banshees, yes, yeah. This may not be, this may be the only place that Banshees has a serious chance of winning. I was going to say, I mean, depending on what happens tonight, it's struggling to get one acting win right now. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it may be that without that guarantee of two acting wins, people who love Banshees will feel this is the place to reward it. Also, too, given the absolute hatred that some people have for everything, everywhere, all at once, while I'm still predicting it to win Best Picture and to do very, very well on the night, I find it very, very odd that this movie might go on to win the most Oscars since The Artist for Best Picture. It could. Like, we're talking like five or six wins at a certain point, you know? Yeah, and I do also kind of struggle to see that. And yeah, I I do think that for Banshees, that's still a movie that people really do respond to. And I also feel like people admire the writing as much as they do the the acting. Even in the Critics Awards, like Banshees won a lot more than I was expecting it to. So even people who are still all in with everything everywhere, even that group still admires a lot of what Banshees did. So that's why I think that category is still competitive and why Banshees could still win, even with everything everywhere doing so well in like picture and director. It's going to be really tough, unfortunately, because yeah, we do our final predictions recording on the fifth and it will be before WGA has announced their winners. So we won't have this to necessarily help us, but maybe SAG will help to clue in and we'll see how Banshees performs this evening. We will see. Okay, and now, final precursor on March 4th. Y'all remember the Film Independent Spirit Awards? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm going to say the category. You guys just shout out what you think is going to win. We've got, to start us off here, Best International Film, Corsage, Joyland, Lenore Will Never Die, Return to Soul, Saint-Omer. I'm going to say Saint-Omer. I'll go with St. Omer. That's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of love for Joyland. I'd love it for it to be Joyland. Me too. I, I really would. Like, I feel like people that actually watch their screeners, they're all singing the praises of Joyland. Yeah. But I'm going to go with St. Omer because it does, it does feel more popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's of, of, the, of the international films in this category, at least, I think this came the closest to a nomination. Best Documentary, All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, A House Made of Splinters, Midwives, and Riotsville, USA. You know, I think conventional wisdom says All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, but I'm tempted to say All That Breathes. That's where my instinct is going. Yeah. I'm going to say that as well. All the Breathes is maybe more populist, and there's a pretty wide voting group here. I mean, yeah, I'm going to go with that. All the Beauty has a political angle, which may appeal to some people. But uh, I'm rooting for all the breeds. Yeah, I think I would still expect all the beauty and the bloodshed to win just just because the voting body is a little bit broader. And I just think that movie does have just a higher profile amongst more people. Okay, Uh, the Robert Altman Award is going to women talking, so we don't have to debate anything about that. All I'll just say is women talking deserved a lot more of this entire year. A lot more. Yeah. Uh, Best editing. (laughs) No surprise here, but let's just get through it. Yeah. Cathedral, <laughs> Marcel, Michelle with shoes on, After Sun, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Tar. Huh, I wonder what's going to win this. <laughs> <laughs> After Sun. Obviously, Marcel, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I was uh, 
thinking the other day when I was going through movies, holy shit, there is a world where everything everywhere literally sweeps every category it's nominated in. Yeah, it could. Let's see if that proves to be true by the time we get to the end here. Best cinematography. We have Tar, Marina, Aftersun, Pearl, and Neptune Frost. Uh, Go with the Oscar nominee, Tar. Yeah. Although I think After Sun could win. That wouldn't surprise yeah. me either. Mm, yeah. That would be awesome. awesome. Meanwhile, I would love for it to be Pearl just because I think that that work is so inspired. So oh, cool. So vivid. That would be such a spirit winner. Best breakthrough performance. We have Frankie Corio for After Sun, Gracia Filipovic, uh, sorry, Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Lily McKerney for Palm Trees and Power Lines, and Daniel Zogadardry for Funny Pages. I'm going to have to say Stephanie Sue. Yeah, I think either her or Frankie Corio. I'm going to go with Frankie. I'm going to switch it up. Yeah. And I'm going to go for the Oscar nominee. Yeah. Is this category voted on by everybody or is it a jury? Every category is voted on by everybody. Every Okay. Well, then it's Stephanie Sue. <laughs> yeah. That's my thinking. Not to mention Stephanie Sue is not in the supporting performance category. Yeah. But she is here, so this is a chance for her to get something. Yeah, it's 100% going to be Stephanie Hsu. Uh, best supporting <laughs> performance. We have Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Nina Haas for Tar, Brian D'Arcy James to Cathedral, Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I should just stop there, but I'm going to keep going. Trevante Rhodes for Bruiser, Theo Rossi, Emily the Criminal, Mark Rylance, Bones and All, Jonathan Tucker, Paul and Trees and Power Lines, and Gabrielle Union for The Inspection. Key. Yeah. 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 Listen, don't. I, I don't want you all to sound so defeated. This is this is great. It's another win for Kihi Kwan. It, it, yeah. it is great. It's just at this point in the season, like as we're getting close to the end, it's just for the most part been the same. And it's not like I want anything different. It's just like it's expected. You know, we're going into every supporting performance, whether it's non-gendered or supporting actor, and we're just like, yeah, check mark key is key winning, which is great again. Unless if you're a BAFTA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Best lead performance Kate Blanchett for Tar, Dale Dickey, a love song, Be a Goth for Pearl, Regina Hall, Hung for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Paul Mescal for After Sun, Aubrey Plaza, Emily the Criminal, Jeremy Pope, The Inspection, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Taylor Russell for Bones and All, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Here's my prediction here I think that win or lose at Oscar. This is Michelle Yeoh's moment as, I don't want to say a consolation prize, but this would be the place for her to get that, like, acknowledgement the same way that, um, like, Carrie Mulligan pulled out a win for Promising Young Woman uh, that year. Yeah, and I think considering just who's voting for these awards, it seems like that would give her an edge, too. Um, So I I still think it would be close between her and Blanchett, but it does feel like with this group, you'd feel better about Michelle Yeoh's chances to win. Really close. I agree with Josh. Really close for me with Yeoh and Blanchett. They're, I, I, I feel like they're neck and neck here. I, I, I'm going to say Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that because I think that there's a sense that uh, Kate, if Kate Blanchett is becoming inevitable, I think um, spirit voters may want to respond to the very wonderful other performance. Agree. Right. It's like that feeling of we want to give Michelle her moment. We have the power here. We're the Oscar. We don't have that control. Yeah. Best first screenplay. Fire Island, 
Palm Trees and Power Lines, Emergency, Bodies, 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 and Emily the Criminal. Uh, given the popularity of the film due to Netflix, I'm going to say Emily the Criminal, but I wouldn't be surprised if Fire Island or Bodies, Bodies, Bodies pulled out a victory here. Yeah, I kind of think it might be Bodies, 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 given who votes on it, which is like the entirety of film Twitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will. I will say Fire Island should win just for the uh, oh, that Resort one sequence. The the trade. Yeah, the Matomei sequence alone yeah. should guarantee that a win because that is one of the funniest bits I've seen. And like, I don't know how long. Oh, I'd love for it to win. It would be my pick for the winner out of this group. I, would, I, I agree. love that yeah, movie I would go so for much. It. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it did win the Ensemble Award at Gotham. People genuinely do like this movie. I, I think it, I think it's very close, but I feel Emily the Criminal is just more popular, more broadly seen. Yeah, I agree. No, I totally get that. You know, but but I think the the achievement is much more Fire Islands taking Pride and Prejudice and just completely modernizing it and really being true to the original. I'm just really impressed with that screenplay. Well, for best screenplay. Lena Dunham for Catherine Call Birdie, Todd Field for Tar, Koganada for After Yang, the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Sarah Polly for Women Talking. And I gotta say, this is the one place where I keep going back and forth between Daniels and Sarah Polly. And I don't know necessarily what to do here because there might be this feeling of, oh, I voted for Everything Everywhere in all these other categories, and there is such sentiment towards Sarah Polly that. People might be willing to change it up on their ballot a little bit here. But then again, I was quite stunned and shocked when the Gotham Awards went with Todd Field in this category over Sarah Polly. Granted, that was a jury and not a populist vote. Uh, so then I'm starting to wonder, can Tar also pull in some votes? If so, where is it likely to pull votes away from? Everything Everywhere's camp or Women Talking's camp? And, you know, I'm just playing like this game in my head. I, I think to play it safe, I would say Everything Everywhere all at once, but... I would not be shocked if Sarah Pauly won this. I think you're overthinking it, <laughs> to be honest. I feel like it's very clearly going to be everything everywhere. I would love for it to be women talking, but I don't think that's happening. Okay, Josh. Look, man, it was my number one movie of the year. So like, <laughs> I, I'm just accepting it that this is the fate of women talking. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. It's going to be everything everywhere. Tar would be a cool win, though, honestly. I mean, I could. I, see, I, I could yeah. see. I could see Tar winning. I, could see I don't know why. I don't know why. Like because it's a good fucking screenplay. <laughs> you know, I mean yeah. that too. Yeah. Besides the quality, <laughs> he gave us like one of the most iconic original written characters of the last what like twenty years. <laughs> I'm telling you, in thirty years, when like people like are not really paying attention, they're gonna look back and the kids are gonna be like, "Oh, this Lydia Tar person." They're gonna think she's real, and that's just the beauty of Todd. That the, the magic of Todd feel at work here. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, she feels so real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I feel like this is probably where Tar could win. Like, I can't see it winning any other category here. But then again, as Josh said before, so many members are members of film Twitter. And there is that debate about the cancel culture aspect of this movie where some people are leaning towards its advocating for one side of the argument and then some people lean towards this idea that it's advocating for the other side of the argument so it might be a little bit more divisive than we think uh to josh's point i'm going to stop talking about this category i'm probably overthinking it it's going to go to the daniels yes (laughs) yeah best director todd field for tar koganada for after yang the daniels for everything everywhere all at once sarah polly for women talking and helena rain for bodies 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 daniels Yeah. yeah yeah Uh, the John Cassavetes Award, 
given to the best feature made for under a million dollars. We have The African Desperate, A Love Song, The Cathedral, Holy Emmy, and Something in the Dirt. I would love to see this go to a love song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Such a I good think it's movie. the most known of them. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then for best first feature, we have After Sun, Emily the Criminal, The Inspection, Marina, Palm Trees and Power Lines. And, and this is why earlier I said Emily the Criminal for first screenplay, because I think it's pretty obvious that After Sun is going to win this over that. <laughs> 100%. Like, even if Frankie Curio doesn't pull it out, this is where After Sun gets its win of the, of the night. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And then best feature, boy, oh boy, what could it be? Phones and all, everything, everywhere, all at once. Our father, the devil, tar, and women talking. Pencils down, people. Yeah. It's our father, the devil. <laughs> Clearly, yes. Which is really good, by the way. Yes, I saw it too. I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, everything, everywhere, clearly. Yes, yeah. very clearly. It's so funny to me how, like, in a way, before this season became what the season became, there was a lot of people, myself included, who felt like, Okay, even if we're heading into Oscar night with the idea that Top Gun Maverick or Fablemans or whatever is going to win Best Picture, this is the night for everything, everywhere, all at once. Instead, it's just going to be another night <laughs> of everything, everywhere dominating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a weird season it's been. That it has. What a weird season. What we can say about every year for like the last three years. Yes. <laughs> last five years, Jesus. Okay, and that'll do it here for Precursors Award Season Talk. Like I said, on next week's show, final Oscar winner predictions. You do not want to miss this episode, people. Let's talk about a trailer. Boston Strangler, starring Kira Knightley, Carrie Coon, Alessandro Nivola, Chris Cooper, coming out to Hulu on March 17th, which is a lot closer than people think. Let's take a look at the trailer. Let's give some thoughts. The city is, for some, glamorous, stimulating, prosperous. Only recently has it become... Dangerous. Jack, I think I found something. Three women were strangled over the last two weeks. You're on the lifestyle desk. You're not covering a homicide. I think the murders are connected. This feels like it's like she said, if directed by David Fincher, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. It has that kind of atmosphere and tone that I respond to in in procedurals. I don't know necessarily like how captivating this movie is going to be, considering it is going directly to Hulu and they didn't opt for a theatrical release. But at the same time, this is the kind of film nowadays, based on a true story, feels like it should be a miniseries, but it's not. And thus, it seems like it could be a sleeper hit on streaming because audiences are accustomed to seeing these types of stories now in that long format on a streaming service. It's interesting, the first film, the 1968 version, was all male-oriented. I think there was, Sally Kellerman was the only major woman in, in that particular take on it. Where it was all from Tony Curtis's strangler point of view. And uh, this is kind of a refreshing change, at least script-wise. Um, it looks very dark. Uh, just physically dark because <laughs> shadows and the like, um, but it seems to have that period down very well. So I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, I love the talent involved. You tell me that there's a movie with Keira Knightley and Carrie Coon, Chris Cooper. Like I'm I'm there. Not saying no to that. It's a simple rule: if uh, Carrie Coon's on screen, I will be seated. Yeah, though it is 
so weird to hear Kira Knightley not have a British accent. Uh, it's like yes, Uncanny okay, Valley you. type stuff. <laughs> yeah. I will never, ever, ever get used to it. <laughs> no, it sounds so weird. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts here? I mean, it looks like it'll be an interesting kind of procedural. I don't know if it's like necessarily looking like a great movie to me, but I am a little intrigued by it. You know who I saw is producing this? <clears throat> Ridley Scott. Yeah, I noticed that when I watched the trailer. I was like, interesting. All right. And then when I look at Ridley Scott's other producing credits, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, God, no. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot but there. Then there. But then there's some good things in there. Like, you know, you have Assassination of Jesse James, Stoker, The Grey. There's some okay things in there. I mean, he that produces means. a lot of stuff. And when you produce yeah, a lot of stuff, say, there's good stuff and bad things in there at the same time. So... Makes makes you wonder: Is he really producing? Like, what's he really doing? You know, just put just putting his name on it. I mean, that you can say that about a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you want to come to Hollywood and pretend you're a big shot without doing anything? We'll fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If there are no final thoughts, let's get over now to the MVP community and MVP film award winners for 2022. Ooh, yes. Are you all ready for this? We're brave. Oh, yes. Okay. This is the first time I'm looking at the Community Award winners. I tallied the MVP Film Awards yesterday. So for each category, I will start off with the Community Awards first, and then we will head on over to MVP Film Awards winners. Some of the categories are 5 for 5 overlap, too, which is very interesting. And here we go. Starting off first with Best Visual Effects. We have, for the community, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. Love it. The runner-up is Everything Everywhere All at Once. And the winner, with an overwhelming 68% of the vote, Avatar The Way of Water. Makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Never would have known that. (laughs) (laughs) But let's see what we did over at MBP. For best visual effects, we have Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. So this is a 5 for 5 overlap. What do you think we did? I mean, I have to imagine that we also overwhelmingly went for Avatar. (laughs) So you are correct about the overwhelming support for Avatar. That did win best visual effects. The runner-up, though, is different. Our runner-up is Top Gun Maverick. That's nice. Okay, great. Yes. For the category for best sound, the community has All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. And the runner-up is Nope. Oh, nice. The winner is Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Okay. I'm happy about that. And then over for us, once again, five for five overlap, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. Our runner-up is Nope. Okay, yes. And we chose Top Gun Maverick, same as the community. So we were very in line with sound this year. Yes. For the category for best original song, community has Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, This Is a Life, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Chow Papa from Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Not Too Not Too from RRR, and Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. I have to... 
imagine this will probably be a victory for Natu Natu. Yeah. Runner up. Hold my hand. Top Gun Maverick. Mm-hmm. Winner. Natu Natu. R-R-R. Yeah. Yeah. Deserving. Mm-hmm. And then for us, we have a little bit of difference here. We have Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This is a life from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Natu Natu from RRR. Hold My Hand, Top Gun Maverick. And Nobody Like You from Turning Red. I'm so glad we got that one in. Yeah, that was Isaiah's <laughs> doing. <laughs> the runner up is This is a Life oh, from oh, Everything ooh. Everywhere All oh, at Once. Okay. Winner is Natu Natu from RRR. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Honestly, I would be shocked at this point if it lost the Oscar. Oh, yeah. 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 I just can't wait for the performance on stage. Oh, my gosh. I'm so ready. For best original score, Community went with Babylon, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and Women Talking. I mean, Babylon fever is everywhere now. I feel like it'll probably still win. Every day. (laughs) Giovanni's like, justice. (laughs) Come on, please. Someone has to do the work here. (laughs) All right. The runner-up with the community is Michael Giacchino for the Batman. Yes. Awesome. And the winner is Babylon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then moving over to us, we have Babylon, the Batman, everything, everywhere, all at once, Nope, and Women Talking. I love that Nope score so much. It's so good. Yeah. The runner-up is the Batman. And the winner is Babylon. I love y'all. I love y'all. Thank you. I, I want to give a shout out, actually. Met Justin Hurwitz the other day. Huge fan of the podcast. Oh, that's oh. awesome. Okay. Well, we're awesome. still like, huge fans of him. Yep. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, Justin, we love you. We are doing this for you. Keep making banger scores. Yes. Best production design. The community went with All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar the Way of Water, Babylon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Six nominees instead of five. The runner-up for the community is Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm. Okay. And the winner is Babylon. Yes. We're eating. Now, for us over at MVP, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Glass Onion, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's such a cool nomination. I wish the Oscars had done that. Yeah, I love that nomination. Well... We loved it enough to give it the runner-up spot. Wow. Pinocchio. I was really thinking nice. we would have picked Glass Onion as the runner-up, but that's great. Love it. And the winner is Babylon. Yes. Okay, for the category for best makeup and hairstyling, the community has All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Whale. Hmm. I think this could be The Whale. The runner-up is Elvis. And the winner is the Batman. Yes. Wow. Okay. okay. You guys rock. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Great pick. A much awesome. better option. Matt, <laughs> yes, Batman, all I can think of is uh, Killian Murphy and Batman Vegas going, but the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> for us, over at Next Best Picture, for best makeup and hairstyling, we have, oh man, I'm so excited to say this. All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Elvis, The Whale, and X. I love that X nomination. Oh, yeah, so great. Should have been at the Oscars. 
Yeah. The runner-up for us is the Batman. Okay. Mm. Mm. And our winner is X. Yes! Oh, yes! Oh, oh wow. At Global so Gym, we're better than you and we know it. You think Globo Gym. Sorry. Community. Kidding. <laughs> for best film editing, the community has After Sun. Babylon, Decision to Leave, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Top Gun Maverick. And I have no idea how the hell you choose a winner amongst these five. Jeez. Very strong group. But for the runner-up, Top Gun Maverick. Okay. And the winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, an appropriate top yeah. two. Yeah. We have a much different lineup here. Well, not not much different. Uh, yeah, only only missing After Sun. We have Babylon, Decision to Leave, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Moon Age Daydream. I love that we did that. <laughs> yeah. And Top Gun Maverick. Our runner-up for Best Film Editing is Decision to Leave. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And the winner is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Wow. God, the that editing of Decision to Leave is just astounding. It's so yeah. immaculate. My Lord. For Best Costume Design... Community has Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Woman King. And I can tell you all right now, this was a very close vote. Mm. Runner-up is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay, cool. And the winner is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. All right. And then for us, over at MVP, we have Babylon... Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, and The Woman King. So no Black Panther for us. Interesting. Yeah, which I don't agree with, but it's okay. (laughs) Our runner-up is Everything Everywhere All at Once. And our winner is Elvis. Oh. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. nominate Black Panther? That's crazy. Well, don't blame me for that. <laughs> for best cinematography, the community voted for All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Batman, Nope, and Top Gun Maverick. Very strong category. By a difference of two votes. Wow. Runner-up is The Batman. Wow. Okay. And the winner is Top Gun Maverick. Mm. Mm. And for us over at MVP... We have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar the Way of Water, The Batman, Decision to Leave, and Top Gun Maverick. Mm, I feel like we did All Quiet. It seems like there's a lot of support for the cinematography of that movie amongst the team. Our runner-up is The Batman. Okay. I'm nervous. And the winner for Best Cinematography from Next Best Picture is Decision to Leave. Oh, Whoa. my God. Yes. Whoa. That really awesome. surprises me. That's cool. Yeah. Okay, next up. Best Overlooked Film. This goes to a movie that did not receive a single Oscar nomination. And the community has six nominees here. After Yang, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Emily the Criminal, Good luck to you, Leo Grand, The Northman, and She Said. All great movies. The runner-up with the community is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Okay. And their winner is The Northman. Awesome. Nice. Yes. You guys rock. And then over year yonder for Next Best Picture, we have After Yang, Cha-Cha Real Smooth, Decision to Leave, 
the Northmen, and she said, Legend of Leaves already been doing pretty well so far. Yeah, for real. And that is going to continue. The winner is Decision to Leave. <laughs> yes. The runner-up is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Also, it just still blows my mind that we have to put Decision to Leave in this category because it didn't receive a single Oscar nomination. Yeah. Like, just hearing that every time is just like, oh, yeah, that, that happened. For Best Sci-Fi Horror Movie, Barbarian, Bones and All, Nope, Pearl, and X. The community runner-up is Bones and All. Uh, yes. Awesome. And the winner is Nope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. What did we do? Oh, do we have the same lineup? We have the same lineup. Barbarian, Bones and All, Nope, Pearl, and X. And what do you know? The same winners. Runner-up, Bones Great. and All. The winner, Nope. No complaints. Yeah, Perfect. Hard answer. to argue, but yeah. I do still really love Pearl. Yeah. Uh, That's just a good category, honestly. For best comedy film with the MVP film community, The Banshees of Inisherin, Bros, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, The Menu, and Triangle of Sadness. Runner-up is... Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Winner, Banshees of Inisherin. I figured it was between those two and would not have been shocked if it had been flipped. And we have the exact same nominees. Banshees, Bros, Glass Onion, The Menu, Triangle of Sadness. Is it flipped, Josh? Uh, no. No, no, I don't think so. Correct. It is the same. Runner-up, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, The Banshees of Sharon, the winner for Best Comedy Film from NBP. No. Love it. Mm. For Best Action Film... The community has six nominees here. Avatar of a Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR, Top Gun Maverick, and The Woman King. Mm, Seems like I would say either Top Gun or RRR. By a difference of one vote. Holy, wow. (laughs) Wow. The runner-up is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, wow. And the winner is Top Gun Maverick. Wow, the RRR not even the top two. Yeah, mm. that hurts a little. And then for us, we've got five of those six nominees. We have Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, RRR, and Top Gun Maverick. And I'm going to save you all the suspense. We did the same thing. Wow. Runner-up, Everything what? Everywhere All at Once, and Top Gun Maverick is the winner for Best Action Film of 2022. Wow. Uh, our team here does not know what the not to not to is. I'm disappointed. <laughs> For best international feature film, All Quiet on the Western Front, Close, Decision to Leave, EO, and RRR from the community. Well, I would, I'd love for some RRR from the community here. Runner up is All Quiet on the Western oh. Front. And the winner is Decision to Leave. All right, I'll, that, I'm fine with that, too. Yes. Sure. Now, for us, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Broker, Decision to Leave, EO, and RRR. The runner-up is All Quiet on the Western Front. <sighs> and the winner is Decision to Leave. Oh, wow. We're going to goose egg RRR everywhere. 
Uh-huh. Is that the first time that I will ever hear you sigh at decision to leave? With <laughs> no, something? no, no, no. It's more so. I love the decision. It's more so all quiet. I'm probably one of the few. Like, I think it's a good movie. I've said before. I'm just not like as in love with it as the rest as our team is. So here, I thought at least we would get RRR to the honorable mention for our team, despite especially how much most of us here enjoy it. But the all quiet fever is starting to spread. Okay, a tough one here. Best documentary film. Ooh. The community has All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, Moon Age Daydream, and Nalvani. Yeah, I really don't know what they did. I, I These are very, very strong films to compete for this award. Runner-up is Fire of Love. Mm. Oh. Yes. Winner, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Oh, yeah, it... It is very popular with a large group of people. And then for us, we have All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Descendant, Fire of Love, and Nalvani. Sorry, Saradosa. Our runner-up is also Fire mm. of Love. <laughs> and our winner is Nalvani. Yeah. Mm. Yes. For Best Animated Film... Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Mm. And the runner-up with the community is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, winner, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yep. Oh. I've seen so many clips swirling around of Puss in Boots just on film Twitter in our community so much, I would have assumed that would have been the runner-up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of surprised, actually, too, by that. Yeah, you're right. Maybe it should have been a little bit not better. Really like, I've, I haven't gotten the chance to see the movie, but I swear I've practically seen the whole movie by just how many snippets I've seen on, like, Twitter and everything about Puss and do, do you think, Josh, it's just, like, a vocal minority sort of thing? I kind of feel like that. I think that movie surprised a lot of people with how good it ended up being, and there are people out there that do really love it, but I... I never really bought into this, like, oh, is it like an actual challenger for the Oscar? I just think that for most people, it's like, that's a good movie. And the very passionate response that some people have for it, I don't think is representative of most people who watch that film. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, for us, we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel Vichel of Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. So the exact same five. With the exact same outcome, Marcel the Shell of Shoes On is the runner-up, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is the winner. The little shell that could. <laughs> yeah. Which, if it were up to me, I would say that should be winning. But, like, Pinocchio's a good movie, too. All right, now we get over to Best Original Screenplay. For the community, they have After Sun, The Banshees of Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, and Tar. And their runner-up is The Banshees of Sharon. Winner is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, not surprising mm-hmm. at all. For us, we have The Banshees of Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. This is the Oscar lineup. Mm-hmm. And our runner-up is Tar. Ooh. Oh, yes. And our winner is our very first tie. Oh, wow. What? She's Vena Sharon and everything. Wow. Well, we won. We won here. We got the best of everything. Yes. (laughs) All three. Yes. Okay. 
Wow. Wow, that's kind of wild that that was a tie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm processing that. Hey, listen, when you have an even number of people on the team, I don't know what to tell you. It just happens sometimes. I know, but then <laughs> that also just shows you that even for groups that really do love everything everywhere, there's still a lot of support for Banshees and screenplay. Okay, adapted screenplay. The community has All Quiet on the Western Front, Bones and All, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, She Said, and Women Talking. Runner-up is Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Okay. And the winner is Women Talking. Thank you, community. Yes, thank you. We love you. And then over for us, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Marcel Vachelle with Shoes On, She Said, and Women Talking. I'm so glad we got Marcel in here. I love this lineup so much. (laughs) Uh, But the – I I shouldn't say but. No. The (laughs) runner-up – is Glass Onion a Knives Out mystery, which is deserved. I think it's a really brilliantly well-constructed screenplay. Yeah. Our, our winner is Women Talking. As it should yeah. be. As it should I, be. I'm not surprised by that. For the category for Best Debut Director, Community has John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal, Parker Finn for Smile, Lila Nujbar for Causeaway, Domi Shi for Turning Red, and Charlotte Wells for After Sun. It feels pretty obviously like Charlotte Wells. In what is the biggest blowout I've seen yet, even more so than Avatar for visual effects, Charlotte Wells wins for After Sun Ooh, the Community. Yeah. Runner-up, Domi Shi for Turning Red. Oh, that's nice. That's nice cool. job. And then over for us, we've got Alice Diop for St. Omer, John Patton Ford for Emily the Criminal, Lila Nujbar for Causeway, Domi Shi for Turning Red and Charlotte Wells for After Sun. I love this category so much. Our winner is no surprise, Charlotte Wells for After Sun. Awesome. Our runner up is Alice Diop for St. Omer. Awesome. That's great. Love it. Nice. In the category for Best Ensemble, Community has Babylon, The Banshees of Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, and Women Talking. And their, their runner-up is Women Talking. The winner, Everything Everywhere, All at Once. I will take the runner-up mention for Women Talking. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was going to be Babylon for runner-up um, for the community. Giovanni, you always <laughs> think it's Babylon. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> for us, for Best Ensemble, we have, oh, look at that, Babylon. The Banshees of Sharon. Everything Everywhere All at Once, Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, and Women Talking. Runner-up is Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Winner is Women Talking. Yes! Okay, that's awesome. (laughs) All right, thank you, team. (laughs) We did the right thing. That Glass Onion runner-up is so cool. Was not expecting that. Okay, now for Best Youth Performance. To what? I was about to say, Matt, like, how much of an effort is it for you not to say best youth performance? (laughs) I'll just say for best defendants performance. (laughs) (laughs) We have Frankie Correo for After Sun, Eden Dambreen for Close, Jalen Hall for Till, Gabriel LaBelle for The Fablemans, and Sadie Sink for The Whale. 
Boy, oh boy, I wonder if after the film released on VOD this past week, if people are regretting that Sadie Sink mm, nomination. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, no comments on that from me. <laughs> oh Josh. Runner-up with the community is Frankie Curio for After Sun, and the winner is Gabriel LaBelle for The Fable. Sammy! Somebody else who deserved even more consideration this season. He Honestly, is so good yeah. in that movie. MVP. Yeah, yeah. I made you look like you could fly. I love that <laughs> line delivery. Best <laughs> performance for us. We have Frankie Curio for After Sun, Eden Dambreen for Close, Jalen Hall for Till, Gabriel LaBelle for The Fablemans, and Alicia Weir for Matilda the Musical. Awesome. A nomination that got Josh to see the movie. Yep. <laughs> okay, our runner-up is Eden Dambreen for Close. Hmm. That's a great performance. That's cool. Okay. And our winners are Frankie Curry <gasps> for After Sun and Gabriel LaBelle. Oh, wow. love it. It's a tie. Another tie. Uh-huh. The three best again. Yep. Best voice performance. Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. David Bradley for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Gregory Mann for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Ewan McGregor, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And Jenny Slate for Marcel Vachel with shoes on. I'm pulling for Jenny Slate. And the runner-up is Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And the winner is Jenny Slate for Marcel (gasps) Vachel with shoes on. Nice. Cool. She's so good. And then over with us, we've got Antonio Banderas for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. David Bradley, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Rosalie Chiang for Turning Red. Ewan McGregor, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, and Jenny Slate from Marcel Vachel with Shoes On. Our runner-up is David Bradley for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And our winner is Jenny Slate from Marcel Vachel with Shoes On. For breakout performance, very competitive category. Community has Austin Butler for Elvis, Diego Calva for Babylon, Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Felix Kammerer for All Quiet on the Western Front, and Tuso Mibedu for The Woman King. Excellent category. The runner-up is Austin Butler for Elvis. And the winner is Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, yeah makes sense. And then for us... We have Austin Butler for Elvis, Diego Calva for Babylon, Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Felix Kammerer for All Quiet on the Western Front, and Gabriel LaBelle for The Fablemans. And our runner-up is Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And our winner is Austin Butler for Elvis. Yeah, we have a lot of Austin Butler fans <laughs> amongst the crew here. It's the voice. It's the he voice. doesn't want to sleep with you guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right, best supporting actor. I wonder. No, I'm kidding. Um, yes. Community has Paul Dino for The Fablemans, Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Sharon, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Sharon, and Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Runner-up. Barry Keoghan for The Banshees nice. of Sharon. Awesome. Kihi Kwan with, oh, is that the, no, that, that's one of the biggest blowouts. I don't think it's the biggest blowout, but yes, everything everywhere all at yeah, once. Yeah. yeah. Glad that Barry Keoghan got that runner up. Yeah. And then with us, almost the same lineup. Brendan Gleeson for The Banshees of Sharon, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Sharon, Kihi Kwan for everything everywhere all at once. 
and Mark Rylance for Bones and All. It's never Dolly with Sully. <laughs> Our runner-up is Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Ennis Sharon. And Kihi Kwan is our winner for Everything Everywhere All Out. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Okay, supporting actress now. <gasps> Ooh. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my. What? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, this is the first time I'm looking at the community winners. Okay. Community has Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Anna Sharon, Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Dolly DeLeon for Triangle of Sadness, and Janelle Monet for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Guys, by a single vote. No. Runner-up, Carrie Condon, The Banshees, oh, and okay. mm. Winner is Stephanie Hsu for everything. Oh, wow. Hey. Yay. Really close, though. Wow, that's incredible. That is very close. For us... We have the exact same lineup. Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Sharon, Stephanie Hsu, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Dolly DeLeon, Triangle of Sadness, and Janelle Monet for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. What did we do? Oof. I don't know. We flipped it. Stephanie Hsu is the runner-up, and Carrie oh, Condon oh. is the winner. Wow. Beckin' great. <laughs> for the category for Best Actor, Community has Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Gabriel LaBelle, The Fablemans, and Paul Meskel for After Sun. Uh, well, first of all, great that they put LaBelle in for Best yeah. Actor. Very happy about that. Um, I feel like it'll be Fraser. The runner-up is Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Oh, okay. Oh. And the winner is Colin Farrell for The Banshees. Very, Whoa. very happy about awesome. that. Awesome. Thank you, community. And then over at MVP, we have Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Felix Kammerer for All Quiet on the Western Front, and Paul Meskel for After Sun. Our runner-up is Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Mm, okay. And the winner is Austin Butler <laughs> yeah. for Elvis. I knew yeah. when you paused, Matt, it's like, oh, Austin Butler won. Yeah, <laughs> but what I didn't tell you is that he tied for the win spot with Colin Farrell oh my for God. the Banshees oh, of Vanish. Oh, 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 oh Matt, my God. such a showman. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Another grade three. I was feeling very disappointed at first. <laughs> and then when I saw that it tied, I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> Vindication. This is not a knock against Austin Butler, by the way. I just prefer the other two performances personally, but that's that's fine. All right, Best Actress. Community has Kate Blanchett Vitar, or as Quentin Tarantino says, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> oh, bring him to the Oscars. He needs to just present no, she wins. No, <laughs> we do not need to see Tarantino on a stage. It's like so cringy. Please, though. I know. It's great. <laughs> Daniel Tedweiler for Till. Mia Goff for Pearl. Margot Robbie, Babylon. And Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Feels like a good place for Michelle Yeoh. Runner-up, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Mm-hmm. Winner, Michelle Yeoh, Everything okay. Everywhere All at Once. And then for us at MVP, we have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Daniel Deadweiler for Till. Thank you. 
Margot Robbie for Babylon, Emma Thompson, good luck to you, Leo Grand, and everything, well, Michelle Yeoh for everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. I'm going to go on a wild limb here and say our for our runner-up is Danielle Doweiler. I'm going to crazy, like, I, I, I'm going to, I feel it in my bones. I don't know why. Probably wrong. Giovanni, you are not wrong. You are clairvoyant. Oh! Our runner-up oh. is Daniel Denweiler for two. Yeah. Nice. And our winner is Michelle Yeoh. Nice. Everything nice. Everywhere That's all awesome. All right. Love it. For the category for best director, we have, well, no, the community has, sorry. Park Chan-wook for Decision to Leave. Todd Field for Tar. Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All At Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, and Charlotte Wells for After. Oh, that's amazing. The runner-up is Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Oh, okay. Sometimes I wonder if the reason why people connect with Steven Spielberg's direction so much in The Fablemans has nothing to do so much with the direction itself and more to do with the casting of Gabriel LaBelle and how likable that performance is. That's it, yeah. As Steven Spielberg, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think The Fablemans is a very well-directed film, but it... Oh, yeah. I agree, completely. It's just, I did not expect him to be the runner-up here with the community. I, I'm actually very happy about that. Yeah, me too. Well, I won't leave you all in suspense for too long. The winners are the Daniels. What? Well, we already knew that. <laughs> and then over with us over at MVP... We have Park Chan-wook for Decision to Leave, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All Once, Todd Field for Tar, Sarah Polly, Women Talking, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Well, thank you all for getting Sarah Polly in here. Yes. Our winner is Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All Once. Why am I announcing this in reverse order? Because our runner-up is Park Chan-wook for <gasps> Decision to Leave. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yes. <laughs> And now we come to best picture. Final category. Let's see what the community did here. They had After Sun, All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Anna Sharon, The Batman, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Nope, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Okay, so what's the runner up? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. You want to play it like that? Everything (laughs) Everywhere All at Once is the winner. The runner-up is After Sun. What? Nice. Wow. Okay. Love that. And then for Next Best Picture, we have for our 10 films for 2022, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, The Batman, The Banshees of Sharon, Decision to Leave, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. Awesome. Well, kind of seeming like I mean I'm gonna guess that everything everywhere won, but it's sort of seeming like Decision to Leave might be the runner up at this point. The runner up for Best Picture for 2022, as voted on by the MVP film team, is Top Gun Maverick. Wow. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the winner for the best film of 2022, as voted on by the team over at Next Best Picture, is Tar. Oh Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. My god. You guys, we've been tar pilled. The tar pilled work. We everything everywhere wasn't even in the top two. Will, I could come up with a 
deceptive lie to tell you, but I'm going to be very honest with you. Everything Everywhere All at Once tied with Tar for Best Picture. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, oh God. You, how dare you? <laughs> he can't keep getting away with it. Oh, God. Well, yes, he can. What amazes me about this, and this was this might be by far the most shocking thing I've ever seen us do, Tar did not win a single other award anywhere else. Yeah, I was oh just thinking God, about yeah. that. So I don't know how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the chaos of the preferential ballot for you. Oh, my Lord. Wow. That's, I'm reeling from that. <laughs> yep. Wow. Was it okay. everyone presumed that everything everywhere was going to win? And they said, oh, but I really like Tar. I mean, everything everywhere had the most number one votes on the first round, but Tar, it didn't even have the number two most amount of votes. It just placed highest on the number of ballots and kept on creeping up. Wow. Um, mm. Plus, was Tar on any runner-ups? Wait, for actress, but not even for, for director. Actress, yeah. uh, no, it was not the runner-up and actress. Yeah, dead oh, yeah, that's right. Oh. The, the community did that. Yeah, so oh, that's crazy. That, that's interesting. Yeah, no runner-ups except for a screenplay because there was a tie between everything. Everybody oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So that's... this is like really unprecedented for us. We've never done something like this wow, before. That's insane. I'm glad this is my first year doing it. It's <laughs> just for a legendary one. <laughs> came on at the right time. Yes. But a special thank you to the MVP film community as well. We had over 1,500 of you vote on the winners. And for some of these races to come down to one or two votes, that is insane to me. Granted, it didn't feel like it was as, as many as there have been in the past, but still uh, pretty wild for it to be that close, I think. And some of these winners and runners up here, I'm just really, really proud of our community uh, for these for these choices. Also really proud of the MVP team as well uh, for what we've done here. I thought, hey, you know what? May not agree with everything, but at the same time, I mean, like, guys, we, we gave makeup to X for crying out loud. Come That's on. so <laughs> awesome. Oh. So it's been a really good year. It's been a year where when I look back on it and reflect, especially when it comes to best picture, like if Fablements was pulling out ahead in front, I wouldn't be upset with it winning. If Tar were ahead, I would not be upset with it winning. Banshees of Inisherin, I would not be upset with it winning. Elvis, I... Well, let's just stop there. <laughs> There's a lot of really great films this year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. A lot to celebrate. They're good movies. I will still say that I think it is very disappointing that this season could not try harder, I think, to recognize the movies from women. That will always be kind of the the dark lighting around this year, but overall, the movies themselves, they are pretty good. Okay, and speaking of movies directed and written by women, we have A.V. Rockwell's 1001, which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival and won the Grand Jury Prize. It's going to be released in theaters by Focus Features on March 31st. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. We'll give some thoughts. Is that a name? Who saw this at Sundance? Did anybody else see this besides me? I wanted to, but I wasn't able to get a ticket for it. Was it? It was virtual, right? That they showed this one or now? 
No, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't able to, sadly. But I love Tiana Taylor's music, and I watched the trailer for the first time, and I was like, oh my gosh, like she's looking like she's giving like a really great performance in this. Yeah, she does. Really the performances in this are the best thing about this movie for sure. Looks, it looks very good. Like I'm, I'm very excited to see it. It has that kind of like lived-in naturalistic quality to it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, there's a real voice coming through the filmmaking. I really love uh, A.V. Rockwell's. Uh, choice of filter that she used to shoot this with to kind of give it that period 90s feel of Harlem. You know, it's got like this high contrast uh, look to it that I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. And overall, it's a very solid movie. It's not going to be, I think, a movie that contends for Oscar consideration, but definitely a Gotham Spirit Award nominee when we get to end of year, especially for Tiana Taylor, who I think she gives such a strong performance in this movie. Her final. Uh, scene in particular uh, towards the end of the film I, I I can't stress enough like I highly recommend you guys check this one out when it comes around to theaters later on next month very excited yeah I'm looking forward to it I thought that this was a really solid trailer for it too anybody else any thoughts I mean it definitely looks like it's got a really kind of interesting kind of character study going for it which I'm usually all for so it, it's intriguing I don't know a ton about it this is the first time I've seen any uh, like footage from it at all but it definitely has me intrigued to see more yeah josh i would say in terms of your sensibilities this is right up your alley yeah Yeah, it definitely looked like that yeah it has a real sundance vibe but i mean that in the best sort of way okay great uh why don't we just keep it moving here let's head on over next to the polls let's see what the uh, let's see what the mvp film community had to say for last week's poll where we asked everyone which oscar category do you think is the hardest to predict right now Oh, I, mm. for me, I think it's documentary. I don't think so. Not after this weekend. Yeah, yeah after PGA yeah, sure. I, and yeah. with that BAFTA win too, yeah. it's looking. But I will say though, if Fire of Love wins the Ace Award, that will give me a little bit of pause because it also yeah. has the DGA win. Well, Navalny is my absolute favorite. It's, it's my number six film of the year. Um, so I'm really rooting for it. But I, this is such a diverse category. I, I can go any which way. Sure, sure. I'm yeah. going to say score is the most difficult. I second that. I no, third like, that. Yeah, like <laughs> Babylon has things that, you know, Babylon is such a memorable score if voters have seen the movie, but with only three nominations and the fact it is already going to win production design once we have all quiet in play. And honestly, I mean, there's a world where with everything everywhere winning, you know, Matt mentioned earlier, is it going to be the biggest winner since the artist? It's not impossible it picks up one of its two music awards. I mean, it. I I feel I am probably going to pull the, the trigger on predicting Babylon, but I feel incredibly unconfident in that. Yeah, with me right now, it's like, if it's not Babylon, I, I'm thinking All Quiet ends up taking it. But... I don't know. Yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah, that was big deal. I don't know. It's just, I don't know how you listen to that Babylon score and not think like you could think that maybe the BAFTA win was, I mean, sure. Again, largest overlap with the Academy, but BAFTAs as a whole just went incredibly like hard for all quiet. I mean, here's the thing, Giovanni, like there are things every year where I'm like, how could you? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like last year with adapted screenplay, I'm like, how do you vote for over, you know, drive my car and power dog? And let's not remind me of that. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just just to say 
just because you think there is something objectively the yeah. best in a category, that does Doesn't not mean that, mean that it is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like it's a reality. Like the score, but yeah. Yeah. And again, that no best picture nom and overall lack of support for Babylon. It's just wild that looking at the season for that, like the one award that it's been sweeping everywhere is just production design. Catherine Martin is shaking somewhere right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm even nervous about that category still a little bit. But yeah, I, I think score is definitely the hardest. I also think that while it is just down to two movies, I still think original screenplay is basically 50-50 right now. I think the toughest category is... Mm, I, I'm with you, Josh. I have to say screenplay. Now, if you ask me after SAG tonight, I might have a different answer depending on what happens this evening. But if it goes to the expected winners, you know, Butler, Blanchett, Bassett, and Kiki Kwan, I don't think I will say any of those categories. No, no, no. I think what we also talked about earlier in the pod, just the editing and sound together, just because of like we've talked about how they've been connected and it's just like it's either this or this. But like, are they splitting? You know, it's just so many little nuances into like, are, are we going to pick everything to win editing because it's been sleeping and then either Top Gun and All Quiet win sound is, is Top Quiet is Top Gun going to. Because of top this, quiet. Top quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Not top quiet, quiet at all at once. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if a top gun's gonna win both, is it just gonna be all quiet winning sound and then uh everything everywhere winning editing? Like it's there's just so many like possibilities for those two categories alone. So that I think besides it was documentary up until this weekend, but for those two, it's and score, I think is really what's making me just like hesitate. Okay, well, let's see what the community voted on here. And number 10, best documentary short. Oh, we're including the shorts, too? Well, <laughs> well obviously, those are going to be at – they should be at the top. <laughs> yeah, best documentary short. I mean, we watched them all last night, as Will said earlier, and The Elephant Whispers appears to be out in front, but I don't know. How do you measure a year or a haul out? I, I feel like would have more passion behind them. Oh, you see, my predicted winner is not any of those movies right now. <laughs> oh, is it Stranger at the Gate, Josh? Yeah, Stranger at the Gate. Uh-oh. Matt and I were talking. He's like, it's got, it, there's a good chance it wins because it's the one that would piss the most people off. <laughs> yeah, it's got and it's just the message of that movie is so broad and I did not like it, but I can see it working for a lot of people. And it's produced by Malala, so it's got. Yeah kind of a celebrity behind it it, it w- that would be a moment okay number nine yeah it, it should rightfully be in the top 10 best sound yeah especially at this point number eight this is one of those ones where it's like okay without sag chiming in i get it but number eight is best actress okay like if michelle does win sag tonight i will have to do some real soul searching <laughs> it's still a race if she if she wins but if blanchett wins then it's done. It's, it's over. It's done, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven, best adapted screenplay. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The battle between All Quiet and Women Talking is definitely fierce. Yeah. Number six is best film editing, which, yeah, like that's like a – I wouldn't say it's 50-50. I would say it's like 75-25 at this point. Mm-hmm. Number five. Ooh. You know, I, I kind of agree with this one too because – 
even if Angela Bassett does win SAG tonight, there will still be something in the back of my mind that says, what if it is Carrie Condon? So yeah, best supporting actress at number five. Oh yeah, I think that's very appropriate. Number four, I think a lot of people would probably change their minds now about this one, but probably it got enough votes before yesterday. Documentary feature. Yeah. Yeah. Number three is best original score. Yep. Number two, best original screenplay. Mm, Yeah. As I said, I think it really is close there. And number one is best actor. Oh, come on, uh, people. <laughs> that, that that could be wrapped up tonight. I mean, here's the thing, though, Josh. If Butler does not win at SAG tonight, then I, I would agree it is number one at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I disagree. If he does win tonight, then then it, it truly is over, and it should not even be in the top ten. <laughs> I mean, I would say even if Butler doesn't win, I still think he's winning the Oscar, but I also still think he's winning SAG. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Yeah, I I switched my vote over to him at the last minute. <sighs> I gave in. <laughs> and I heard Aaron Eckhart, like, in the back of my head saying, you can't give in! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people love Austin Butler in this movie. I told you, when I saw that clip of even Emma Thompson just gushing yeah. over him, like, I did not expect that from Emma Thompson. I just like, think every- he had, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying that, like, every, like, we've been saying, like, every actor is just, I mean, besides it being, like, the baby transformative real life person, like, every, like, legit, like, actor in the industry has just been going out being like, you know, you know who I really enjoyed? Austin Butler and Elvis. And it's just a lot more support than I would expect. Well, that's one of the reasons why I have him as SAG, because I think the commitment that he it's a very open discussion how committed he was and i think a lot of actors i feel like he garnered a lot of respect from actors for taking on this iconic role yeah i'm a little surprised the uh, traditional excuse of oh he's young yes he'll get another chance hasn't popped up with him yet well at the end of the day nature of the role he is young but he's basically the same age eddie redmayne was it's not like when timothy chalamet won for or when Timothy Chalamet was nominated for Call Me By Your Name, he was like 21. I mean, he's young, but he's not, it's not like it's his first performance. And it's a biopic role. Like, it's still the pedigree yeah. of what wins yeah. in this category. That overwhelms everything, I think. Yeah. There has to be a surprise on Oscar night. It can't I mean, be this simple. Does there? Well, I'm not saying it has to be with this category, but... I can't help but feel like one of these acting categories, either supporting actress, actor, or actress, Oscar Knight is just going to throw us a curveball in at least one of them. I could feel it. I mean, that, it just, like, more often than not these days, honestly, that doesn't happen. We said that last year, that there had to be a surprise, and there really wasn't one last year either. I know. Yeah, last year it did not produce any surprises at all. Unless if you count the, um, what was it, the animated short? Yeah. Yeah. When that's your quote-unquote surprise you have had a very predictable evening i just don't want to head into oscar night with so many predictable winners because in a lot of these categories i mean granted we just got through saying that so many of these categories are tough (laughs) but it does feel like there is one film that is further out ahead nothing feels like it's dead even other than maybe original screenplay and even then i might give the edge to everything everywhere so it's tough um, all right, for this week's poll, we're asking everyone, 
which Oscar-nominated film that is not nominated for Best Picture is your favorite? So think of all the films that are nominated for Oscars other than Best Picture. Giovanni, I know your answer, so why don't you just say it? <laughs> uh, Babylon. <laughs> Nadia, how about you? Uh, I have to think about this one, actually. Actually, maybe After Sun. Yes. Okay, nice. Thank you. Tom, how about you? RRR. Love it. Nice. Josh? Yeah, I would also say RRR, uh, but my second choice would be Marcel the Shell. I got to say, by the way, I got to meet Ram Charan in person the other day. My God, what a what a what a man! Yep, yep. Stunned. <laughs> Stunned. gorgeous man, my lord. And he just also—I I don't know if he was, you know, just saying it generally speaking, or if he was being legit. But you know, I did interview him for the show, and he did say, "Hey, thank you so much to your team for just supporting our film and getting the word out there." And I'm like, "Wait, does he know about that, or is he just saying that?" Either way, it was really cool to hear. Yeah, <laughs> he's great in that movie. Honestly, he was my personal best actor winner. <laughs> Will Mavity, how about you? I'm inclined to say RRR, but I do want to give a shout out to Glass Onion. Okay, and then for me, I would say Marcel Vachel with Shoes On is my favorite. So, to the MVP film community out there, you could choose up to five films. Tell us which Oscar-nominated film that is not nominated for Best Picture is your favorite. And we will announce the winners on next week's show. And now before we get to fan questions and we call it a day here, we got one more trailer to discuss, and it is one that I cannot wait to hear y'all's reaction to. It is by far my favorite film, not only from Sundance, but so far from this year. And I know the year is still young, but believe me when I tell you people, this will probably be in my top 10 when the year is over. This is Past Lives, Celine Song's directorial debut. It gets released, well, unofficially. We don't have an exact date yet at this time, uh, but it's going to be released soon from A24. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. We'll give some thoughts. There's a word in Korean, inyeon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. My first question is this. After the hype, did the trailer live up to it or were you underwhelmed? How did you feel about the trailer given the amount of praise that this film has received so far? It lived up to like every single morsel of hype. Like I watched it and I was like, I'm going to be devastated. My heart will rip into a million pieces and I am ready. So I'm already mentally preparing whenever it comes out. I've just each day is just getting the mental fortitude to ready to cry to this movie. <laughs> yeah, this trailer really made it seem like my kind of movie. And I'm <sighs> very, very excited to see it. I agree. I was excited after the reviews in Sundance, but it didn't prepare me for the trailer. I must say, oh, God, this is this is going to be right up my alley as well. I, I, the thing is, too, also, I didn't um, really know what the movie was about either. I just heard, like, the raves from Sundance and that it's going to be distributed by A24. And I was like, OK, I've heard the raves. We'll go see. And then I saw the trailer and then I was like, oh, I, if it's look, devastating romances or like movies about devastating romances or movies about Hollywood, classic Hollywood, and loving filmmaking. Those are that's my lane. So I'm ready. I'm so ready. Like, give it to me now, E24, please. As someone who has seen the movie, I could tell you the trailer, in my opinion, perfectly captures the tone of the movie. But it does not even begin to scratch the surface of the layers, the depth, and the complexity of these characters. The writing in this movie is next level good. It is 
so, so, so heart-aching and such a beautiful film. It, and, and it's simple, too. It's not a showy movie. That just speaks to the performances, the richness of the writing, and the control that Celine Song displays with her direction in this film. I mean, I was talking with somebody about it after we saw it at Sundance, and I was uh, equating it to Drive My Car, where you know that film just kind of takes a step back and lets the writing and the actors do their thing. But yet there is this meticulous control over the film's emotional core and knowing when to subtly pull on the heartstrings in a way that feels naturally organic. This film just is... It, it's a magic trick. I can't. You I, said the magic uh, words. You said drive my car, <laughs> so I'm, I'm the... Yeah, for real, yeah. Oh, my God. And in terms of, like, awards potential, I, I've heard so many people say, like, oh, my gosh, like, this will be in the Best Picture conversation. I've had lots of talks with, uh, with Cole over, uh, you know, Oscar expert and... Justin, brother, bro, about this when we saw it at Sundance, and they're all in for it. I'm on the more conservative side right now. I need to see how the rest of the year pans out. But just like everything everywhere last year, where I wanted to champion it throughout the year, you can all bet your ass this is the film that I'm going to be championing and I'm going to be pushing hard on people to not only see and seek out, but also to to recognize these performances. Greta Lee is just magnificent here. Uh, John Magaro, I think, will be just such an undersung performer that I hope he can manage to break through. And TOU is just, I mean, you guys can already see glimpses of it here. They are just such an amazing trio of actors. And yet, today, the only thing I feel very comfortable saying is Best Original Screenplay as a nomination for this film. But yet there is a world if the path clears and everything falls exactly as it needs to. And A24 is very careful with its uh, rollout for this film, which so far they have been. I do see a world where this could break through in a pretty major way and be up there with some of the other bests of the year contending for best picture, director, the actors, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think um, past lives, as I'm assuming as of now, based on... You watch a lot of movies, Matt, uh, especially at Sundance. Uh, it's your one, right? Like, do you think it's going to like easily be like for the most for most of the year? I mean, there's a lot of movies that will come out like this might just be your top in your top five by the end of the year or it will be an incredible year better than this year. Even if something manages to knock this out of my top 10. Damn. OK. I wanted to mention, too, just between Celine Song and. Amy Rockwell, I'm really excited about all the feature directorial debuts that we're going to be getting. Just this past year alone, the amount of incredible debuts I've seen, is just really, it just makes me really excited about the emerging talent in this industry. Yeah, the only thing I just want to be very careful with with this movie, it's delicate, right? I want to be very careful about uh, overhyping it because it is a special film, but it is small. Yeah. And... I don't want people to get their hopes up with its awards chances and the possibility of Celine Song like being nominated for Best Director, for example, when this is her first film. And for her to get into a lineup, I mean, we all know she would have to be a top five film for Best Picture for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And maybe this film could get there, or maybe instead it's like Charlotte Wells with After Sun. You know what I mean? Yeah. The passion is there, but it's too small to resonate with the large uh, voting body of the Academy. 
Yeah. So, so that is the hurdle that Past Lives has to overcome this throughout the rest of the year. Okay. Interesting. Any other thoughts? Anybody? I just cannot wait to see it. Okay. Let's end things now with questions from the MVP film community. Let's see what they had to ask us for this week's show. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Oscar H, what's the overall win tally for everything everywhere all once going to be at the Oscars? Do you think it will have the biggest haul of the modern era for Best Picture winners? Or will the detractors of the film hurt it in places like screenplay and actress? I think it's in a position to overperform. I feel like we could see this picking up a couple of tech categories that we maybe score. That's where I'm feeling. I think it'll be the, the most awarded of the night. Definitely going to be the most rewarded film, unless if unless if All Quiet on the Western Front overperforms. Yeah, All Quiet could potentially get like international adapted score sound. What would Elvis need to do in order to get five? It would have to get cinematography, costume, production design, makeup, and Austin. So that would be five yeah. for Elvis. Yeah. yeah. So alternatively, you know, you have a unlikely but possible world in which. It got editing because um, everything everywhere in Top Gun split votes and it pulled an X Mahina. And then it doesn't need one of those others. Yeah, I fail to see a world where anything other than All Quiet or Everything Everywhere is the overall win leader on Oscar night. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everything is. I've got a base of four, and I think it could go up to as high as six or seven. Just out of curiosity, Tom, what is the base of four in your opinion? Uh, picture. Director, editing, and supporting actor. I have the same, actually. I think it's four right now. Okay. Scott Kernan, despite losing every award so far, do you think there is a world where John Williams shocks everyone and wins best score for the Fablements, considering the competition is spread out amongst every precursor? No. I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's unlikely, but it is true that right now score doesn't really have a consensus so anything is possible at the moment we saw this happen uh in 2018 where out of nowhere black panther ended up winning but with black panther that film overall was a a way bigger deal and i b there's no shade against the fableman score i enjoy the fableman score it's not as prevalent in the movie whereas ludwig's score for the first black panther was this very bombastic and and like very unique sounding score and it played so well into some of the set pieces in the movie which uh the fablements doesn't really like at all and i mean john williams has been nominated so many times he's lost a lot more times than he's won and i think earlier in the year i think the big narrative was going into like oh this might be one of the last times you know spielberg and williams worked together and that's why they could have possibly awarded him and then it was always like this is the last thing he's doing, but like he's doing indie next year. And apparently he's recorded like an hour and a half plus of music for like uh, Dial of Destiny, which is insane. But um, I don't know. I don't really see it. I don't really see the passion for it compared to something like All Quiet, which is getting more support than I thought. Or despite, you know, 
Babylon, whether it loses, like Babylon as a general. Uh, Swamp Thing, if categories were gender gender neutral this year, what would be the top five in supporting and lead? I have a very easy answer for this. Supporting would be Kihi Kwan, Angela Bassett, Carrie Condon, Barry Keoghan, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, yeah. And then lead, super easy. The top three in actor, and then Michelle and Kate. Yeah, that, that seems yeah, pretty they're trying for, for It lead. feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm glad we're on agreement on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Gleason maybe could be in the supporting category. I would say between either him or Jamie Lee Curtis. But yeah, the lead especially, that yeah, that seems very solid. It's not really like an indie spirits type thing or like Gotham where you would have to think harder and be like, oh, this is like the more cooler artistic performance compared to like the Academy, which is like, that just seems up their alley. That's like bad like you we wouldn't like in a hypothetical like this be going like you know paul mescal would be in that non-gendered like five for act, the lead actor performance like at all like we wouldn't think about that so all right jordan a take on films asks if there had to be one tie this year which category would you like to see it happen in oh for me i think the most deserved tie that i would like to see personally would probably be screenplay. And the reason why I'm not saying actress for this is if Michelle is going to win, I want her to win outright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a tough question. I And I assume that was original screenplay, right, Matt? Yeah. Oh, yes. Sorry, yeah. I should have yeah. specified. Okay. Yeah. I think I would agree with original screenplay, too, because those are two really good scripts. And if there was a tie between them, I think that would feel very appropriate. Yeah, I think they are two that's going to stand the test of time. Agreed. I would say supporting actress just that way. Bass. Oh, no, because then I don't want to have to take away from Bassett's moment or she's winning, too. Oh, damn. Mm, I don't know. That's tough. You know what? I'll just go with best editing. That yeah, way. I was going to say editing. I think yeah. I I love both those achievements so much. Yeah, that there we go. Uh, the life of Dylan with Sundance now over. Does any doc from this year scream that it will be this year's Navani or Summer of Soul? I have a very easy answer for this one too. Beyond Utopia. Yeah, it certainly seemed to be the word on it from the fest. Yeah, it it is so gripping, and you really you have your heart in your in your mouth of the whole thing, and it has a lot of that. Oh my God, what's going to happen that Navalny had? So um, I I think that's going to really I can, that I think has the stamina to last of the entire year. Like I was thrilled while watching it. I was informed and educated while watching it. I was shocked while watching it, and then by the end I was crying. Like it was. It was everything I could ask for in, in a documentary. And they've had a lot of good docs there, but that was really the standout. Alicia Martinez, oh, this is an appropriate question to ask after DGA and PGA. If you could have one untelevised awards show be televised, which one would you choose? I would pick DGA. I agree. Yeah, DGA. It would have to be shorter, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no way I'm sitting through four hours of DGA. Well, that's the reason why it's so long is because it's not televised. <laughs> Let me tell you, you put it on like YouTube or something, I will sit back in a recliner and I will watch all four hours and pretend that I'm there. And there are guilds that do stream their awards, so it's not like 
this is just something that none of the guilds do. They yeah. can do it if they wanted. Uh, David at David FMT one one asks both ice merchants and the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse won any awards yesterday due to being in different categories. Is it safe to say that ice merchants is the best chance that, uh, yeah, the best, the best chance to beat Apple and animated short. I would love it because it is my favorite of the shorts, but that is actually not the movie. I think is the challenger to the front runner at the moment. You think it's my year of dicks? I do think it's my year of dicks. See, I watched my year of dicks with Will, and while I thought it was good, I kind of got this feeling that it might appeal more to uh, women within the Academy more so than men. And if that's not a factor and they're just voting by the title alone, then it probably wins. I I do understand that, Matt, but I can tell you this because I did see the shorts in the theaters. And that was one by far the one that played the best with the audience that I saw it with. Everybody seemed to love that one. And every year I also go with my parents to go see the shorts. And even for them, that was their favorite. I mean, and this may not matter to voters, but my year of dicks sort of felt to me like it could work as a live action just as well. Oh, yeah. Like a Kelly Fremont Craig sort of thing. Yeah, because, I mean, all of the other ones really could only be told through animation. Right. And I just think there is something about My Year of Dicks I think really does have a broad appeal to it. And to be honest with you, I'm getting a very similar feeling from last year where we have the front runner that's from the bigger studio and it's got a, a higher pedigree behind it. And we all kind of assume, yeah, that's the one that's going to win. But I I don't know if there's like as much passion around it. And it's just one of those situations where if you see all the shorts from what I just have been hearing anecdotally, it just seems like there's a lot of people that really like my year of dicks. Benny Dawson, there hasn't been a BAFTA acting winner quartet that's matched less than three out of four at the Oscars since 2014. Taking that into consideration, doesn't that mean that at least one of BAFTA's supporting winners will parallel at the Oscars or will this streak finally break and there's still a question for supporting actress i would definitely say that but it that is the only one that i think could happen uh connor lorenz with everything everywhere all at once essentially locking up the best picture race i'm gonna put air quotes around that i mean it kind of has yeah where would you rank it among your favorite recent best picture winners uh depends how far we want to go back if we're going back say like I don't know, a decade for me personally, it's up there with, uh, it's not, it's not ahead of parasite. Parasite's still number one. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I would agree with that, but I would put it up there with, Oh God, is it really like my, it's like my number two or number three, honestly. Yeah. I think I would put it at, well, I don't know if I would put it ahead of moonlight. I still really love that too. And Nomadland, for me, is also a really, really great movie. So I I think I would slot it in around three or four. I mean, definitely upper tier for sure. That's no question. Yeah, for me personally, it's around four or five, I'd say, but easily in the top five. Edwin Araz, fun question. With Cocaine Bear out in theaters, which existing movie would be improved with the use of cocaine in it? (laughs) I'm going to just take this and maybe just do a little uh, title switcheroo and let's just put the word cocaine in a film's title. The Cocaine Banshees of (laughs) Inishirin. 
cocaine everywhere all at once. Yes. <laughs> the triangle of cocaine. Yes. Yeah. Decision to cocaine. <laughs> all the beauty and the cocaine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! I don't even know if I could do more questions right now. My no, I think, I think that's it. No, <laughs> I think we can't wait to that. Yeah. Oh man! To be fair, let me just scroll. Let me just make sure. Um, I think we're good though. Oh. <laughs> that was excellent. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> All right, that'll do it here for episode three thirty-three. <laughs> oh man, Nadia, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Natty Reviews and on Instagram at Nadia Reviews. Giovanni Lago. You can find me on Twitter at the Giovanni Lago. Will Mavity. You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies. Tom O'Brien. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And Josh Parham. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 333 of the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we will see you all next week for our final Oscar winner predictions episode next time. have a 401k you're not getting the most for retirement wait what add a Robinhood ira on top then they'll boost it by three percent you can do that and if you transfer in any retirement account you get three percent on top of that is there a limit to the match no limit Robinhood gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any ira on the market sign up for Robinhood gold at robinhood.com boost by april 30th subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Robinhood financial llc member sipc